The future is now. Finding the NOSO has never been easier. Subscribe to us on our new YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok, and bookmark the new home for No Holds Barred, The Jenny Position, Wrestling War Zone, and all your favorite NOSO podcasts at NorthSouthConnection.com. It's New Year, New NOSO, NorthSouthConnection.com. Hey, WCW is back. So we here on the Wrestling War Zone. I know it's been a hot minute, but we are still here. Still going strong. It's a Monday Night Wars podcast retrospective series. I'm JT. That is Chad. If you are listening on our usual podcatcher apps, welcome back. And also, just letting you know, we are doing this on video as well over on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, we appreciate you checking us out there. And if you want to take a quick moment, just look right below. You can subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Like the video. Helps us gain some traction and build some additional um, viewership, which we'd appreciate to keep us chugging along here. Chad, how you been? I'm doing pretty good. Past the busy season at work, so yep. ready to dive back in to the war zone. So. so is this, feel like you're just going from one job to the next? Yeah. <laughs> <In some laughs> auditing, auditing. Uh, auditing 1996 WWF can fill right? up at four times. But, there you um, go. We're almost done with 96. We're almost done with 96. So we're weeks away. Weeks away. <laughs> At least this time, if you say like 97, it's it's real good. I can I can uh, get behind that. Compared I am to really that. excited for 97. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Because um, we know Nitro is great all through 97. Um, for sure. And I Raw, I'm curious to see when that turns. Like It's going to come at some point. When does it really start to pick up steam? And we know there's a lot of good stuff. So. Yeah. We'll dive into that. Uh, of course, we are going to kick off the evening's festivities with Monday Night Raw from December 16th, 1996, where the Ice Palace in Tampa, uh, which seems like a bigger building than we're used to, I think, for Raw. So I don't know if we're already starting to see a little uptick, maybe, and switching things up. We're out of kind of the smaller doldrum buildings we've been in here and there. Maybe. We'll have to see. Sometimes they do that. Like, they had the Key Arena one in Seattle. So, right. I don't know. We'll see if it stays consistent or if the next turn. Interesting. They run the smaller shops or in your house and then they go a little bit bigger for the raw tapings. Yeah. That's been a little consistent. I mean, a couple of your houses had big buildings like uh, Philly and Indianapolis, but yeah, let me look real quick and see if the lightning were here or it had to be. I mean, it's the ice palace. I would think. Yeah. That'd be where they were playing because they started when, I don't even know when their inaugural season was. I think it was a couple years before this, I want to say. because Yeah, it says this was their fifth season, so maybe like 92, 93 or something like that. 91, yeah, 92. because that's when all that stuff happened. Like the Nordiques moved, the Whalers moved, like Tampa came around, the Panthers came around. 
you know, Phoenix, Avalanche, like Winnipeg left, like all that's kind of happened in like that. It felt like like a five year stretch from like Dallas, like Minnesota North Stars went to Dallas. I think that was like oh. 92. So it all feels like between like 92 and 98, like all this stuff happens. Yeah. They were in the Ice Palace, which I didn't, you know, the names go through so many different names now. I mean, that's right. still where they're at now. Oh, it's crazy. I'm sure it's been cool name. renovated. Oh, yeah. This it must have just opened because it says on the uh, Amelie Arena, which is the Ice Palace, that right. Tampa Bay was there from 1996 to present. Okay, so pretty so new like building. A couple months old. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. We're gonna christen it with this awesome raw taping. Uh, <laughs> we cold open in the arena. Uh, Brett. Hart stomps out to the ring to speak to Jim Ross. Uh, he Ross kind of gives Vince a little shit about it, that he's getting the interview. Brett says, to never ruin an apology with an excuse. There's no good reason he's not the world champion right now. Says, some things have changed here. You can't tell your friends from your enemies what rules are, and there are none at all at this point. He says, Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, and Psycho Sid, and the rest that they have to understand, if there's no rules, he doesn't need them either. Michael's that little prissy gave Brett his word that he wouldn't interfere yesterday, but with Sean's lack of integrity, Ed Cooley style, he set off from day one at cost of the belt because of sour grapes, and he can't handle that he's not as good as Brett. There's no rules, and he'll do anything and everything to get back on top. He announces his candidacy for the Royal Rumble, and he feels bad for the rest of the field because he's going to go outside to the booth, call things down the line, and mind his business, just like Shawn Michaels did. Uh, that was a pretty good promo. Despite the awkward starts, it felt like the kickoff of a new direction of lawlessness and some gray that's going to start creeping in. Uh, also, some vibes of a foreshadowing of a heel turn, perhaps, and an extended feud with Shawn Michaels. And we keep talking about when the new era is going to start. And I think Survivor Series, you kind of saw hints of it uh, with the rise and establishment of Steve Austin, Psycho Sid becoming world champion, Shawn turning off the white meat baby face, Brett with an attitude. And I think coming off It's Time Now, we're going to really see that start to develop as we head toward the Rumble. You're starting to feel those vibes of like, okay, anything's going to kind of go now. And we're going to have this mishmash at the top of all these guys doing whatever it takes to be a world champion. So I like this as a start for Brett. I like him doing it. Of all the guys that could have done it, I think he was a good way. Like if Brett's going to this point, then everyone's going to go that way, right? Because if Brett's the one throwing in the towel on, on rules and laws. Yeah, I liked it too. I, I thought... I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, with Brett's delivery, he brings up a lot of points that are accurate, but he still comes off as kind of whiny. Yeah. So, depending on your perspective, it's very multifaceted, where you can say, like, oh, he's been a crybaby, or you can be like, well, I mean, he's speaking the truth. He's just convicted in what he thinks. So, like, if you're a fan of him, you can defend him. If you're not a fan of him, and I, I really think that's what they were going for. Um, it, I mean, it turned out better that it was versus Steve Austin. I mean, as right. we talked about, I mean, it, it still seemed like they were kind of shooting for, all right, he has this, my, you know, like this first layer feud with Austin right now, and then we still want to build to Mania versus Sean, and that's where we think there'll be a crowd split, but we got to do something to where that crowd will be split. So Sean will have his fans too. Yep. Um, so I think that's why they did the tone that they set yep. for this. Uh, but it ends up working even much better than they could have imagined with what ends up happening. Agreed. I mean, I think we start to see uh, whether it was headed this way already or not. And I don't think it fully was, but um, you're starting to see 
that you know, whininess and selfishness from Brett mm-hmm. creep in, planting seeds for later. But I think it also, again, is like going to spread through everyone, um, the selfishness and everyone's out for themselves and there's no more good or bad. We're just all going for the goal. No matter, you know, there's no sides to be on. We're all against each other. And that's going to be how the main event is developed and set up over the next couple months, really. It's just that it's, it's all these guys just out for themselves. Yeah, there's a very like, there's some like very sports tone to the way he acts that it, it kind of reminded me of like freddie freeman when he went to the dodgers or also like if a senior comes back you know like a junior comes back for his senior season it's mm-hmm. like oh we're gonna run it back um and then like they just don't reach the same level they did previously um i mean that can build up a lot of resentment so Again, I, I thought this was very, very good. I mean, a very good start. It's yeah. Brett to me is still. I mean, Austin's getting there, but he he really hasn't had many of these like signature promos. Like with what we've right. seen with him, has been either unhinged like backstage stuff or segments. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brett's still by far the strongest, like if you get in the ring and we need you to cut a promo and get your point right. across, like he's so much better than Sean. Yeah. Better than Sid. Yep. Uh, so he's, he's the best in the company. Mankind also hasn't been given opportunities to do that. So, I mean, we know he could be a great promo guy too. Just hasn't happened yet much. Right. And even a guy like Pillman hasn't had a lot of time. Like he's another one we know could do it if he needs yeah. it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Brett, Brett's given the time and he definitely delivers here for sure. All right, back to the ring we go for our first match, and it's the match we got robbed of last month due to injury, and that is Steve Austin taking on Vader in a tough man match. Uh, Ross ushers Brett to his chair. Vader stomps out with Cornette. Brett again vows not to get involved. He says he's going to show the same integrity, or uh, he'll show the integrity Sean didn't show it in your house. Austin talks shit at Brett from the ring. Brett says he's just minding his business. We get a lockup and some heavy strikes, some tussling. Vince and Brett talk about Austin and the problems he's given the hitman. Ross tells us that Vader will take on the Undertaker at the Royal Rumble. So, big announcement of that match. I mean, we get a little bit of time before the Rumble, but we already have like one big undercard match named. Uh, Austin Vader's unloading Austin with clubbing blows and a clothesline. The King trolls Brett as Austin can't get nothing going. Vader's just overpowering him. Austin gets a Thez press and a wild flurry, knocks Vader to the floor. Meets him off the apron in a great stretch of offense. Uh, after a break, the throw at hard, stiff punches. They're all over ringside. Vader throws Austin into the crowd. He follows in with a chair. Austin fires back. We go back to ringside. In the ring, Vader mows down Austin, sets him up for a Vader bomb. But Austin rolls away and hits a huge low blow, hammers on him. The crowd's into this as well. Vader dumps Austin outside. Brett goes up and over and takes Austin's knee out and hooks the sharpshooter to draw the DQ. Vader comes over and brawls with Brett. Austin tries to crawl away, but Brett comes back and hooks a sharpshooter again as Ross's Brett has gone crazy. And that ends the segment. Uh, it was a pretty fun brawl while it lasted. The heat and energy is something we don't always get on Raw. I thought it was good, just like the Vader. I mean, just like the uh, Austin Mankind match. It was good that we had this on the live taping. I think that added a lot to it. Um, both guys really battered each other pretty good. The finish was good, too, as Brett you know, obviously he was going to break his promise, right? He was a little shit. You could tell. So already yeah. too, a little bit of a heel sign. Oh, I'm going to show the integrity. And then Amelia does the same thing. He's bitching about Sean doing. Yep. Uh, but Austin does deserve it. Of course, of course, with everything he's done to Brett. Uh, but this is a good start. It shows the top of the cards is going to be mayhem. I went two and three quarters as I feel like it was just not a lot to it. If, if we got another few minutes out of this and maybe something more focused, but it wasn't meant to be that. It was just meant to be 
like a wild brawl around ringside into the finish. So I enjoyed it as an opening segment. As a match, it was whatever. But again, we have some energy in the building, which is nice. Yeah, I gave it three stars. I enjoyed it as well. I thought it was frantic and got its point across. Uh, I thought Vader, for once, looked very strong um, and powerful, which is something he's not booked very well. Maybe he will be now, coming off of this with a match with The Undertaker at the Rumble. Like, you know, this is maybe, maybe finally something, you know? Hopefully. Um, I I mean, it does seem like, I know I like him in Final Four Mm -hmm. down the road, so we'll see if he goes on a little run, but um, yeah. Yeah, he was good here. Him and Austin have good chemistry. I mean, Austin, as we as we go towards the end of the year, we talked about it, and I don't. I mean, I think obviously, like Sean has the higher end matches, yeah, uh, between Mind Games and the Diesel No Holds Barred match, and depending on where you land on the Iron Man, but Austin also has the Brett match, and. I mean, just from a TV and entertainment, like, I mean, Austin's the MVP to me at WWF in 96. Like, it's pretty clear. And I think if you watch, like, we've watched everything on Raw, but if you took a compartmentalized, like, compilation of here's Austin's run, like, one, you would see the progression. Because even with the Savio stuff, it was fine to good. It was just, like, getting rid of DiBiase, and there was problems. But since... Really, August. I mean, anytime he's been in the ring, it's been pretty electric, and there's been something frantic or uh, exciting going on. Which, watching these full scope of these shows, it so enhances like your enjoyment. Like that makes this three star match feel so much more important and engaging. And that, when you're in a competitive environment, is so important. Because even like the Sean matches that he has had that are maybe technically pretty good on TV, they haven't had that urgency to right. where like if you were watching this, if you, I mean, to me, like if I'm putting myself in 1996, you know, sitting at home, I only have one TV and I'm watching this match, it compels you, okay, let me stick with this and not yeah. turn, not see what's on Nitro. Um, and that's just so important right now. So it's, yep. it's well done across the board. And Brett, I mean, this this too, like, I thought did a good job of, like, when Vader goes after Brett, it shows that just everything's kind of in disarray too. So they're really trying to create, like, a frantic environment. Yep. Um, and, and that sometimes can seem a little scattered brain with the booking. And I think that's true. Like, I mean, I, I, think, I think part of that's, embedded in truth where they didn't quite know exactly where they were going. They, they had a kind of hope for mania and stuff like that, as we talked about, but there's still some moving pieces more than, I mean, like last year, the first year we did this, it seemed pretty clear that once Brett beat diesel at survivor series, it was going to be, you know, Brett versus Sean. Like it was headed that way. They did the, they did kind of the mirage with, with Sean passing out, you know, right. to try to stretch it out. But that's what was going to happen. Um, everything here seems more frantic. But again, like from the from the way things felt so sterile, I will take that. I will take a frantic booking. Yeah. And, and it feels yeah. like we're probably going to go to Brett, Sean again mm-hmm. in Mania. But 
to your point, it's not definite. Like, there's still a path to a Brett Austin rematch for sure, right? Yeah. Taker seems like maybe he's getting back into a main event mix a little bit. He's done with Mankind. He's fighting with Vader. Vader's getting elevated. It feels like yeah. we finally have some star power back. And that's something that's been lacking for a while now. And, and Brett coming back just adds to it. Like, that's we kind of needed that to get back over the hump. But when you look at it, Austin has now been fully baked and elevated over the last three months. So we have him as a star. We get Bret Hart back as a star. Michael's still a star. Sid has been elevated over the last two months as yeah. a star. Um, Undertaker's always there with a the star power. If they can get Vader back on track, and that's not even including Mankind. So it's like we're all of a sudden from a company that three months ago felt like we had no big names and a bunch of just mid-card dudes that were never going to take that next step. Um, feels like we suddenly have like, okay, like a really deep main event picture with maybe four to six guys that could realistically main event WrestleMania. Yeah. Even some of the guys that they were putting in the main event in the summer, like Bulldog and, and Vader. Yeah. What they did on this show and what they've done with Bulldog the past couple of weeks with his interaction with Austin and almost feels hotter than when he was, Oh yeah. When they sure. were fighting for the title. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and even just guys like Owen and Mero, like dudes that they you could tell they wanted to maybe elevate. Um, you know, Goldust had fallen off. So we were like yeah. that SummerSlam mind game stretch, we we were lacking big time. Very rough. Um, when it came to name stars and talent. I mean, we were on our third taker goldust match at that point. You know, we were <laughs> we were hurting. <clears throat> and as great as Mankind versus Michaels was, and Mankind had been built well. He still wasn't like a top level guy going into that match. Uh, it felt great because we enjoyed all his work and he had been putting on quality stuff with Undertaker, but he hadn't really been established yet. You could argue he really still isn't at this point. But right. Um, all right, we get uh, in your house highlights from last night, including Vince's interview with Ahmed Johnson. We then go to the ring for our next match, which, believe it or not, we're still here for another taping. Uh, Razor Ramon and Diesel taking on the Godwins. So. It felt like, man, we were like onto something hot, and now here we are back to yeah. this. Um, I, I really think like Razor and Diesel, they just did these guys like no favors at all. And even if they mm -hmm. thought they had some faith in them as young guns that had a good look and could work a bit, like they should have just had them dish this stupid gimmick. Like, just yeah. come out on this night here, be like, look, we did it your way, JR. We we still didn't win the tag titles. We're not Razor Ramon and Diesel. Everyone knows it. Here's where Glenn J, whatever, you know, and then. Maybe they have a shot, right? Maybe they can do something. But as is, like, this gimmick is completely dead in the water. Um, the Godwins also are not very inspirational at this point. That's a no, I mean, you yeah. talk about, like, having the remote control. Like, yeah, yeah. We're flipping. I, I, can't, I can't explain how fast I would have changed the channel yeah. when I – I mean, it's like you had a hot segment and you come yeah. back to this. So there's still problems that are plaguing it, but – all right, Razor and Diesel come out. Uh, they're fresh off their big loss last night, like we mentioned. Phineas and Razor start off. Phineas clotheslines them to the floor. We get some usual dumb jokes about Phineas from King. Uh, he slams Razor, tags Hank, who slams Phineas on top of him. JR knows that Hibbley Jim's not here tonight as Hank works the arm. Diesel tags in, goes on the attack. Vince asks Ross if he's pleased with his boy's performance. Ross says, last night left him feeling empty, even though Vince thinks it was a stellar performance for Razor and Diesel. Yeah. Uh, Hank comes back with an elbow. King rips. Brett's whining. The Godwins work the arm. They quick tag as Ross says, Sid has beaten Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart now with the powerbomb over the course of one month. Razor and Diesel bait in Hank. They take him down to work him over. The crowd tries to rally Hank, but Diesel keeps pouring it on until he drops him on his head. Hank spikes him down as JR says, we don't need clowns, garbage men, plumbers, and pig farmers. We just need great comp uh, competitors. Pretty direct shot of the Godwins here. Um, you don't usually see him like include the current guys usually just kind of shits on the the stuff from the past. So um, 
be interesting if that plays a role at all. Things break down, and all four go into it. Phineas drops his head. Ramon loads, uh, loads up the razor's edge. Henry blocks and hits a slop drop. Diesel comes in, powerbombs Phineas, and Razor covers for the win. Again, it's kind of just whatever. The crowd was actually in it a bit, um, but it was slow and basic, as usual, with these four guys. I like the finish. I thought the powerbomb actually looked pretty good. Um, the push rolls on. They win again. Ross seems checked out. He's like, done. <laughs> done with these guys. They're no longer the flavor of the month for him. He brought him in, and he's done with them already. I want a star and a half. Um, I actually thought the slop drop was it. I thought the Godwins are going to win, and even more of a burial for Razor Diesel. Um, but they end up coming back and winning. So we'll see if they're going to keep them going or what. But, I mean, to be in the second match on a live taping the night after a pay-per-view shows you they're at least planning on them being players for another taping cycle at this point. Uh, I would, too. I actually don't – I didn't think this was good, but I didn't think it uh, – just as a match, I didn't think it was as bad as it could have been. Um. I mean, it wasn't exciting though. Um, no, they announced they announced Brett versus Razor for next week. King of the Ring '93, Royal '93 rematch. They love doing that, like yeah. saying it's gonna be Brett versus Razor to try to confuse somebody. <laughs> I did think that uh, King had one good joke in where he said he told Phineas that uh, he was illiterate, and he said that's a lie. My parents are married. <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny um and then they say like it's pretty scary when hank's the brains of the outfit uh <laughs> but you did have some stuff that like we talked about where ross and and it, like ross and vince have to be on opposite sides so yes. this it made no sense right where like ross is actually critiquing them and yeah. now Vince all of a sudden's defending them, saying, well, right. I think they've had a stellar performance. It's like, <laughs> what, what? these dudes have lost every big match they've been in. What's, what's right. been stellar about their performance? That, that drives me crazy. And they even had help from Austin the night before. Wow. Like, you could argue they should have won um, <laughs> over Bulldog and Owen. Like, they kind of like, did botch that chance, especially oh, with, with Austin so taking bad. Bulldog out. Yeah. Like, I actually thought Ross being critical. I was like, okay. And then Vince just runs is like, well, I think they've had a stellar performance. It's like, oh, shut up, Vince. Like, no chance they've had a stellar performance. The heel Ross stuff is really um, lasted longer than I thought. Like, I really thought Survivor Series was it. I was surprised it's still going. I'm confident that after the Rumble, it's gone because after the Rumble is when we get 10 gallon hat JR from here on out. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure it transitions a bit from there. I don't think he's as acerbic, but I'm curious if it continues to this whole taping because he's probably not, he's not as heelish as he was like around, you know, yeah. a buried alive when it was like at his peak, but he's still still kind of doing it here. Yeah. Uh, finish. I thought looked good. I mean, Phineas is a pretty big boy. So the jackknife looked good, which yeah. not all of uh, Diesel's jackknife have uh, looked pretty impressive. So this one looked good. Well, and the thing with a team like Diesel Razor, right? The two young guys, not a lot of experience teaming up. They're forced right. into this gimmick. And maybe they're starting to put it together. But the problem is the gimmick is so stupid and they went so hard with it. No one gives a shit. So even if they're starting to get going a little bit, like maybe like their matches aren't too bad by this point and they're getting some chemistry and they're figuring it out. It, it's too late. That's why I'm thinking like they should have rebooted them. And just maybe if they give them a fresh coat of paint, there's something there to them, right? Um because, you know, to your point, like this is probably their, one of their better matches. And they're not in there with like Bulldog and Owen or top top workers. I mean, so, you know, maybe there's something there if they kept building the chemistry. But by that point, it's just too late. 
All right, Sid is yeah. backstage. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's tough to it's tough to know like when to pull the plug on something, but I think with the way that they failed, you know, it was time. Yeah. It's time. All right. Sid is backstage. Vince congratulates him on his win. He talks about him beating Michaels at heart with power bombs in less than 30 days. Sid says nobody could beat him because he's the master and anyone that takes him on will go down. Sid says the outcome at the Rumble is not in question, even in Shawn Michaels' backyard, as he thrives on adversity and will be a sweet victory. Vince brings up Jose Lothario and Sid reminds him what happened at MSG, tells him to stay home. We see Shawn standing around backstage as we go to break. That's a pretty basic Sid interview. I think they're trying to do their best to keep him um, simple to the point, quick, not start rambling and losing his train of thought. Just, you know, play it simple, right? You're a monster. You're confident. You're the champion. You're going to kick ass. And, like, they're leaving it that right now. Yeah, I like that he told Jose to stay at home. Um, otherwise, it was pretty basic. And I thought when they showed Sean in the bag, he looked annoying. So, yeah, not great. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. Uh, right. Sid, I think Sid in this run, you know, you always hear about like Paul Heyman and ECW, like, oh, they hide the weaknesses and play to the strengths. I think they've really done a good job with Sid during this run, subscribing to that philosophy. Like, they've kept him uh-huh. in quick matches, they've kept his promos tight, they've let him just be a badass. It's the opposite of everything they did wrong in 95, where he was having long matches, he was plotting, he was a chicken shit. Like, and it's working, you know. They're they're not overexposing him. We'll see if it gets there. But right now, it feels like they're they're doing things to try and keep him in check. The Brett match the night before a little bit long, um, but like everything else, I thought they've kept pretty tight. Yeah, I mean, he's a champion, so he has to be featured. Um, I don't know. It, we'll see. I it to me, it feels like he's kind of peaked. He peaked at Survivor Series. And then we can see if he gains some momentum going forward. But we know he's going to have to be heel into the Rumble. I mean, that's obvious, right? So we'll see how that affects him. Um, If they could pull that off and how over he's been. Because they're not going to have it split. And that's why they're running San Antonio, right? Doing this match was to get Sean back on the face side. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, he's been been all right. I mean, I think they've certainly not overexposed him. But he's also someone that. It's it's always difficult for me, like when your champion's not one of your two or three most interesting characters, and he's not right now. So, all right, we get a full metal album ad, and then we get a hype graphic for the Royal Rumble coming on January nineteenth. Shawn Michaels is backstage. He chats with Vince about Sid's confidence. What it be like to be publicly humiliated in front of seventy thousand fans? Shawn says he's been humiliated a number of times already, but it's in his backyard. <laughs> Lothario is a legend there They don't like what Sid did But he doesn't cry over spilled milk His problem is what Sid did to Lothario But he's going to take his belt back along the way He won't cry and whine like Brett has And Vince agrees He says yes, Brett did whine earlier Vince asks Sean if he'll have any excuses if he loses And Sean says he makes no excuses He lives his life openly on national TV And he'll explain every intimate detail of his life And nobody else can he'll lay it on the line in san antonio and brett can cry whine and wear tights doing commentary and be a wrestler for 24 hours a day but he'll never be sean michaels i thought it was the usual shaky sean stuff where he's like trying too hard but i did like that last line i thought that was a good dig um because sean the night before was in street clothes and brett's out there in his tights in commentary so i thought that was a pretty funny pretty funny line um the rest was the the sean that we've seen yeah it's just it just comes off as so disingenuous like saying that, I mean, I don't, I mean, you do have to think of it from our perspective. Like we know what 
was going on backstage, so it's tough to separate that. But it's just like saying, like, I'm so open and honest about everything, and knowing, like, a year ago we had the whole getting beat up in Syracuse or whatever situation, and two months he's going to lose his smile. It's like there's so much crap that's about to happen where he's not very transparent and open. Um, so, and I don't, I, and I think the opposite from the Brett stuff is I do think Brett was playing for a little bit of that edge. Whereas Sean is so like just nonchalant where he'll say stuff like, well, I mean, you cannot like me and that's fine. It doesn't bother me, which is, which I get, but right. I think it does. I think, you know, I think it definitely does. So it just, I don't know. I, I really dislike him as a character in this stretch for sure. All right. <clears throat> we go back to the ring uh, for quite the matches. Doug Furness and Phil LaFon now a month in to this run and kind of spinning wheels, taking on TL Hopper and Dr. X, who usually was played by Tom Pritchard. I'm assuming that's who it was here. Yep. Um, we join in progress. LaFon is smacking X around JR, says Dr. X is a newcomer. Furness chucks Hopper around with ease. He grinds him down and works the arm. We get a lot of Sid Brett, Sean talk as Furness and LaFon dominate the match. Furness is a nice spine buster. He tags LaFon, but Hopper. Is able to pancake him. Jar says Hopper has been around the block, and King makes some toilet jokes. X hits a nice gut wrench power bomb, chops away. Lafon counters with a snap suplex. Furnace comes in and cleans house with a tight scoop power slam on Hopper for two. Things break down, but Lafon murders Hopper with a head and arm German and a, just a gross bump by poor Tony Anthony here. Probably didn't <laughs> want to take this at this point in his career. Uh, fun squash uh, there with Furnace and Lafon getting the win. Just two guys Furnace Lafon could chuck around and show off with. So I thought they made the right choice putting these guys in there at this point. Um, I ended up going two stars. If you're gonna, if you're gonna get guys to bump around, Tony Anthony and uh, Doctor Tom aren't the worst choices. So, don't say I'm not fair because I like all four of these guys. I want a star and a half on this. Um, I mean, it was all right for what it was. I just we talked about it. I mean, the crowd's just still not really fond of Furnace and Lafon. They cannot get a positive reaction for much that they do even when they dump people right on their heads it still don't get the oohs and awes that like the cruiserweights and wcw get it's it's a very interesting dynamic to watch um otherwise there i didn't think there was a whole lot here um king in mentioning the sean promo he said he looked like a what's what instead of a who's who well that was i, I didn't even understand what that meant um, I mean, I, I get the context, but it was a dumb line. Um, uh, and then uh, Furnace's dropkick on Hopper, you know, his timing is usually like really good on that. If yeah. they were like Jim Brunzel or somebody like that. And it was a little off this, tonight. So that was a little disappointing. Um, but I mean, otherwise, this was serviceable. I, I just wish, I do wish that Furnace and LaFon were getting a better reaction. Um, so. I'm still looking for them to kind of get that crowd support. Uh, it kind of seems like they're getting thrown out as a vacuum. And before you could sort of argue that like where they were in the taping and whatnot. But I mean, this, like you had one hot segment and then you actually had a tag match that garnered a better reaction than this one with four guys that seemed completely just on the back burner. So it, it was odd. Yeah. First in the fun of quickly, um, I don't know. The tag division is still weird. It's it's like yeah. I, it's like Bulldog and Owen 
like they've helped elevate the belts. They kind of steadied the division a bit, but the, now they're not doing any favors because they're kind of involved in this Bretton Austin stuff. They're not really in the tag division, but I guess maybe that helps keep the belts on them to keep them like at a main angle. I think I would have had Furnace and Lafon beat them at its time, get the belts off of them and let them be part of the Brett feud. And then just have the tag division send around for us on the phone for a little bit while you add talent and figure out what you want to do. Like, why let these other teams just dick around when they could just have the gold <laughs> and Bulldog and I weren't busy anyway. So, right. All right. So, <clears throat> Billy Gunn is backstage as he's ready to take his brother out tonight. And then it's time for our Cardi- Karate Fighters Tournament final, Chad. Finally here. Uh, the king is smirking. He heads into the ring to take on Sable. She comes out with Mark Merrow to a big pop. King says he knew Sable would bring Mero, but it won't happen this way. So he has a backup, too. And he brings out Hunter Hearst Helmsley because Mero and Hunter will face yet again for the Intercontinental title next week. Uh, our feud of 96. We visit with your friends, George and Adam. They're in the Alamo oh, Dome. <laughs> They're waiting it out. They're talking about Sid's win from the night before. Yeah. Uh, they have this as part of their bet to swap seats. So. So these idiots pirated the pay-per-view in the Alamo Dome? I mean, what what's... Yeah. what's Talk me through this. How, how do they watch the pay-per-view in the Alamo Dome? Maybe someone who uh, works in the security office ordered it on pay-per-view in the I security mean, room, and they checked it out. Uh, all right. Like, even if you... Even if you put all logic aside and say there's no events in the Alamo Dome for the next right. six weeks. So that's for starters. How long do you think you'd have to take to be at a place and realize you've gotten there 35 days before <laughs> anybody else is going to the event? Like, I have. They're excited. They're there early. They cannot I wait to the show. You get. Like, you know, camp out. You know, you see, like, on Black Friday, people camp it out and stuff like that. And that seems sometimes preposterous. Like these guys were sitting in their seat for. You've taken this way more personally than I think anyone's ever taken these skits. It really, really bothers you. So stupid! It is such a lame, stupid thing. Yeah, I would say they're the stupidest people in the Alamo Dome until Ryan Gray showed up in 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Broke the record. Um, All right, well they're there. Uh, They're excited to swap seats over this bet from from its time. Uh, We go back to the ring. King and Sable give some quick one-liners. They set the stage. A Cyberfest will take on Tiger Ninja. Jr. is narrating the action. The battle's a long one, actually, for the Karate Fighters. Uh, But Sable wins. We get a big pop. Lawler's pissed. Vince says he's publicly humiliated, which is a big buzzword for him tonight. I think he used that like three or four times throughout the show. Uh, King says Sable's a woman and a cheater, and he wants a rematch, but Vince says there's no rematch clause. Marrow gets in King's face. King shoves him, and that sets up Hunter attacking Marrow. Him and King beat Marrow down. Goldust comes out and attacks Hunter and knocks him to the floor and into the crowd. Marrow runs in as well. He chases Hunter off. Goldust comes back into the ring, and here we go. Uh, it's a pretty infamous Raw mm-hmm. segment from mm-hmm. i remember it very well at the time being like oh shit like i, I didn't know what happened in this till it yeah it, 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 i realized it once gold came out that this was going to mm-hmm. be this because i knew the match was coming soon during this time period mm-hmm. um and and i think this is kind of forgotten when you think of like the edginess that keeps creeping in more and more into 97 like i think this one kind of gets overlooked yeah. but they uh definitely this is like the edgiest gold has been in a bit so yep uh, he gets in the ring, and King calls him a freak. 
and says, what's the big idea? He has no beef with him. He doesn't get gold dust issue with Hunter. King says, Hunter made a pass at Marley, and he's a handsome guy with a lot of money. He's the Intercontinental Champion, and Goldust should be happy that a real man would make a pass at her. King says, he doesn't mean that Goldust isn't a man, but you know. And Goldust says, what? What are where, what am I? A what? And King keeps dancing around it, takes the mic kind of sheepishly, and says, queer. Vince is ready to bail out, but Goldust stares at King and gives the very famous, no, and then punches him. Marlena comes in, Goldust kisses her hand. And it feels like this is the official Goldust's straight character now. And he's with Marlena romantically. Right. It's kind of been teased that he was ambiguous for a long time uh, with all the mind games and everything. And they really leaned into a lot of that. But this is kind of now where it's like, all right, that's no longer a thing. He officially made that statement to King. Um, if you're going to have anyone do a King's probably the guy, I guess. Um, so tasteless as ever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was a memorable segment and edgy. Uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I could see there being issue with it, with them, the way they play it as, as usual, but in this time period, you're probably not going to get that flack. Yeah. Um, Vince had some doozies on commentary throughout all this. Uh, I mean, first he, he has the audacity to compare Sable versus, King and the karate final to Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs, which is just I mean, a seminal sports moment you always hear about. And this is a seminal sports entertainment. Yeah, I, I, I don't hear ESPN mentioning the 1996 karate fighters tournament very often um, when they talk about sports equality. Um, and then and then Vince doubles down on that by saying no king has ever been beaten by any woman. So there you go. Uh, do you think that the uh, the I mean, I would guess that the tournament was fixed, right? You think that Sable's? Yeah, I would think so. Person was glued. They probably down yeah, down. strapped her down yeah. or whatever. Cyberfist <laughs> was that an inside joke? The Sable was <laughs> Cyberfist. Um, and then you get the stuff with Goldust right after King makes his remarks. Vince is like, "Well, we've come this far. We might as well stay with it." <laughs> so he's like kind of presenting us because I, I do think that's a little bit of a difference in now we've kind of established Vince as the owner. Mm -hmm. So like if he's letting this crap happen on his watch, like how is he dictating that? And right. that's a role that really like he leans into more and more until we get his complete hill character where he's like, we lost all control. You know, he tries to regain control or whatever. Um, otherwise, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't, uh, I mean, do you think it was needed for the Goldust character? Or you think it was just something to like be push the edge? I, I don't think it was needed. Um, I think they want him to obviously turn face to try and mix it up because he's just been dead in the water as a heel at this point. He's got no heat at all. I think they just went about it in a different way without blatantly saying no. Like, just have him start treating Marlena like his girlfriend. You know, I mean, like, whatever. Like, just, and on commentary, he's like, oh, Goldust had us all fooled. You know, whatever. And, like, that's fine. Like, yeah, he was using mind games to Yeah, I don't think you need a king to directly do the accusation, right? Yeah, and then, yeah right. So it's definitely a memorable segment. And like I said, you know, they were trying to obviously get gold dust um, onto the face side, which I think is, it's, it's crazy. This fucking guy's only been around like not even like a little over a year. I mean, yeah, he came in so hot. He was our MVP through what April on raw. Yep. 
um and then just completely hit the skids like it was quick (laughs) oh that ultimate warrior match at good friends better enemies almost is like it's almost like everything down from that because even Mm -hmm. like the ahmed stuff was it was fine that was probably the the high point from april on but yeah uh, the taker matches never really clicked for us. I so mean, they, I I think fine, but yeah, I mean we're we're sort of in the weird position where we've had people argue that those are like really good, and then you see like the Scott Keith reviews where they're really bad, and we're kind of like, yeah, I mean, we're in the middle. Um, but I mean, yeah, you, I don't think you could say like they were outstanding. I didn't. The highlight was definitely the rigor mortis promo <laughs> when he's on top of Taker in the ring. Nice. Um. And then we have the weird stuff with Mankind, with the mommy. That didn't really go anywhere with Sable and all that. So, no. um, Anyway, we'll see if the face turn gets them going. <clears throat> we get a uh, special little gift from the Dirty of Carolers, led by Classy oh, Freddy Blassie. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, I like. this was fine. Yeah, Better than George and Adam. I'll tell yeah, you that. Yeah, it was cool. It was a whatever, the holiday theme. And now <laughs> here we are. Brother versus brother, the brother's gun. Bart versus Billy. We've been waiting for this for months, Chad. This uh, explosion of the guns has been coming. Uh, three and a half years as a team. Vince says Hunter faces Marrow next week. The title can change hands by DQ or countout. So we'll see. All that tells me is that Marrow's going to fucking job again. <laughs> uh, we get both guns, uh, and they both use the smoke yeah. guns, which is funny. Oh, like, yeah, Are they fighting fun. for custody over the beam? The winner gets right. the beam? It was weird. You should just give him Billy like something else or whatever. Or just have him come out with no theme for this one night, you know. Uh, we also find out again, Bret Hart takes on Razor Ramon next week. Billy attacks Bart, getting in the ring. We get a wild brawl on the floor, back in the ring. After break, we see that Bart's wife is in the crowd and Vince's Billy's wife and kids are here as well. And uh, I guess the future gun club are in the, yeah, in the house. Kind of funny in retrospect. Right. Uh, Billy grinds away. They must have been pretty young then, right? Here? I mean... Yeah, uh, he's actually. I mean, he's he's old. Uh, one of them, I think it's Colton. He's older than you might think. Like, okay. I think he was born in like. I mean, you know, he's still young, but I think he was born in like ninety or eighty nine or something. Like that. Okay. All right. Uh, Billy grinds away. Vince talks about the technical difficulties from last week. Your favorite ongoing storyline of nineteen ninety six. He oh. says Direct TV and Request TV will present in your house tomorrow night three times, starting early in the evening on Direct TV and Wednesday at seven p.m. on Request TV for those that had issues last night. Billy snaps off a neck breaker. He works the head as Bart's wife is looking pensive. Billy works his brother over as Vince thinks Hunter's cooked next week. Bart catches Billy on a charge and it's a stun gun. And Billy collapses in an awkward position and does not move. The ref checks Billy, calls for the bell. Bart stands in shock. Billy's wife comes in. She's yelling at Bart for doing this to his brother. Bart's wife comes in and a ring attendant stops her. So I think he thought it was like a fan or something coming in the way it goes down. Uh, Then he looks over and gets the okay and he lets her in. (laughs) Vince thinks Billy may have gotten a stinger. He's rambling. His officials are checking. Uh, Billy is wailing that he can't move. Bart demands help. Uh, help as a fan yells, "Where's the Undertaker?" If you heard, if you heard that, <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe laugh. Uh, after a break, paramedics have secured Billy. They prep to cart him off as Bart is in shambles, and we dip out. Uh, the uh, match was nothing. It started kind of hot, but then it slowed into the angle. Uh, the, gr- the ending just ground the show to a halt after what was a hot episode. Um, I mean, whatever. I guess they had to do this on the live show, or else the word would have leaked out, and they wanted this to be like a pretty shocking angle. I don't know if anyone cares enough. We did this almost literally a year to the day, yeah. a year and a month to the day with Sean collapsing. Um, 
and I don't know why we're going to this ruse, um, you know, by Billy to get his brother back. So is it a work uh, or is Billy really hurt by Bart and he's going to try and hold it over Bart's head? Like, what's the angle going to be? Um, so I thought it started hot, hot as a show and finished quiet. I just want to star. Mm-hmm. Weird angle. Like, I don't know if we give a shit enough about the guns to, like, put this much energy into an angle like this. I think mm-hmm. it would have been better just splitting them off and letting them do their own thing. I will say this. The first, like, 30 seconds after it happened at the time in 96, I thought it was real. Um, because Billy's selling is really good. Like, he lands in a way that looks pretty, like, you may land if your, like, neck got snapped and you fucking collapse to the mat. He's, like, bent like this. His legs are crooked. Um, looks like Vecna just snapped him in half. So, I mean, it looked like it was possible but then as soon as billy's wife is yelling at bar like it's obviously yeah. an angle. um so i don't know i don't know where it's gonna go but we'll see i'm curious if they're gonna play like you really heard him or if it was like billy a billy roos which would be an odd way to go about it yeah i didn't like this uh star for me too. pull apart before the break was good they come back from the break they're completely blown up billy on top sucks like he just sucks as a hill on top um and then the finish, you described it. I, I don't know. I, I didn't really understand what it was. Um, I mean, Billy's gone for a while. And then he comes yeah. back pretty much repackaged. So, well, they do. I think they do a couple angle shots with him, like where he's in the hospital. And like Bart, they play up that Bart is like feels bad and awful about it. So I don't know if it was meant to be something where they were going to like, like I said, Billy was going to like play the guilt trip and like hold it over Bart's head and make him like team like I, I think maybe it was going somewhere like that and then I just decided to scrap it and move along because I don't think they ever really go back to it after like a few weeks of like health updates and Bart feeling guilty mm-hmm. I think they just move on as like 97 goes but yeah Billy I think he comes back like right after Mania I think just seems like a lot of momentum killed for him yeah yeah um I mean, Vince, Dr. Vince is in the house because he immediately calls it a stinger and says this. And then another thing, like he says it's a stinger. They're talking about how severe it is. And then Vince says, well, that's somewhat common for wrestlers. It's like, well, why are you like downgrading? Right. Yeah, played up. It's supposed to be real bad. I hate hate that. Right. Um, It was just a weird thing. And nobody knew what to act. And then as the viewer, you're just like, Right. It was real? too, yeah. it, well, and it was too recent to the Sean thing, where it was like, all right, we just saw this, guys. Like, let's do something else. Well, in the time of year, it's like yeah. recent, but it's like exactly around when Sean did it. You know, what was that, the night after Survivor Series? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it's basically a year later, you're doing like the same angle, ending Raw, a collapsing injury. Like, it's it's the same. You're just doing the same thing. This is less heat, because no one gives a shit. <laughs> right, right. Well, all right, let's get to our awards uh, to wrap Raw here. Match of the night was easily Austin Vader. Yeah. Uh, the moment I went with Hart uh, attacking Austin at the end of that match. Yep, I, I did the whole pull apart between them and Vader. Yep. I initially put Goldust as MVP, but I'm waffling now. Do you have Brett or do you have Goldust? I went Brett. Yeah, I'm going to change it. I think Brett was better on this night. I, d- I did like Goldust standing up for himself and it felt like some energy finally like out of him as he's been so freaking dead lately, but that whole segment's questionable. Well, he can so, finally say he's straight, so he's very happy to there you let go. that be known. No. Yeah. Do you have any uh, commentary lines? No, nah, not beyond what I mentioned. I uh, pretty rough night on commentary, to be honest. Not um, didn't didn't see much consistency. 
they gotta they they need to settle they they definitely need to settle the commentary since they got rid of the kevin kelly booth and all that it's where's ross gonna land king's still picking his spots but as we see he's still heavily involved in angles like where he has to be an in-ring competitor vince is all over the place trying to be antagonistic to both of them so it's it's a mess the um Final grade, uh, no shots fired, right? I don't believe. No, so I don't think that. so. Uh, final grade, I went six out of ten. I mean, it started on pace to be something like a, like maybe our best raw in a while, and I still liked it overall because you know the Razor Diesel match was fine. Um, the Ferns and the Fawn match was like whatever. We had a, we had three big angles. We had the Brett stuff. We had Austin Vader had some energy. The live raws are usually the best of the taping, so I, I thought it was a fine raw. Like stuff at least like we said earlier, it's just happening. Right, it's better than the milk toast crap we dealt with for most of the year. Um, so it feels like there's some energy in the building and some different mixing things up a little bit. Yeah, it went five and a half. It was fine, some good, some bad. Some stuff happened, so I'll give them credit for that. So slightly above average. Uh, debuts, I just had Dr. X. Yeah, I think Dr. X is the only. <laughs> I don't think any dropped angles I noticed. Um, All right, well, gold us being gay. Yeah, but that wasn't dropped. I mean, that was okay. a change in character, I think. Uh, if they had just changed it without saying it, maybe it would have been. But, I mean, they they went about it directly. So. Gotcha. Uh, all right. So I'll do it for Raw. We're going to have it a Nitro. But as a reminder, if you don't mind taking a minute, if you haven't already, if you're enjoying this or you're just checking in, um, just subscribe, like the video, share it around. We have a lot of cool content um out there on north south connection that we'll talk about a little bit later but if you don't mind just helping us out with a little sub and a like uh we'd greatly appreciate it so all right chad why don't you take us over to tnt what's going on on nitro all right so uh hogan's still in the intro mm-hmm. surfer sting so no change there uh we're from pensacola florida tonight so home of jennifer smith so, there you go uh, there you go uh, and almost immediately, uh, here, here's a minor change. Tony and Larry are at the main announcer booth now. Yes. So we, so we talked about that since Bischoff's heel turn, how it kind of been awkward mm-hmm. as they transitioned into hour, hour two, like that one week they had today be the host for like literally a minute until Tony hightailed it back there. Do you think off. they were doing that because they were still thinking they were going to have the NWO Nitro, so they would have oh. t- uh, Larry and Tony in the, at, at ringside, and then the NWO guys would be in the booth? So maybe that's why they like hesitated to change it? Uh, I mean, I, maybe. I, I mean, I think they thought that, like, I mean, we essentially had NWO Nitro this episode. Right, right. Yep. Um. I think they thought long term that Larry would just be gone and would be right. doing Saturday night. And then if they thought he was going to get involved physically, which they seem to be teasing. But yeah, yeah, I, I think they just didn't have the uh, the logistics figured out all the way when they decided to make the switch. So now they've hammered it. It's, it was it was seamless this week, so it was good. Um, almost immediately, the NWO music starts, and out comes uh, Eric Bischoff, mm-hmm. DBIC, and Vincent. They head over to the announce booth, take it over. 
Uh, Eric said he misses it. Larry says that they don't have enough men. Eric reminds him of his contract. Larry's like, I don't need a contract. Uh, Ted says the NWO is there to stay and get used to it. We're taking over now. Tony walks away, but Larry's still not budging. Ted physically like takes off Larry's headset and is like, how bad do you want to push this? Uh, Eric calls him the living has-been, and uh, Larry finally kind of gives up and walks off. Yeah, he's like, I don't need this shit. Basically, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm done with this. So uh, Eric welcomes us to the show. He calls an NWO Monday Nitro. Uh, and then they, this, I thought this was interesting how they presented this. So they show clips of last week with Piper and his interaction. This segment, all we get is like Bischoff coming out and about to get in the ring, and then they cut it. Yeah. So like they edit it to show like Bischoff not getting beat up. We come back, Eric calls him a coward um, and all this, and Ted says we've always been wondering why he wears a skirt, and uh, he waited until Eric turned around and hit him with the chair. Eric lets us know right off the top, Hogan's in the house, Piper, where are you? And Eric also says Sting is there tonight, and he's NWO for life. So so they, to me, they really set up a lot in this segment. Um, I mean, this is like three minutes, but, you know, wham, yeah. bam. Like, NWO's taking over. They show a little bit of clips of last week. We know Hogan's here. We know Sting's here. So they really tried to like set the table and hook mm-hmm. you in. Um, I thought it was well done. Well, they're off the gate. They're up against Austin Evader and shit, right? So they know right. like they're trying to, to bring you in to uh, yep. stick around. Uh, I thought Larry's line, um, it's been a while, but you're going to need more guys. Uh, or it's been a long time, Ted, but you're going to need more guys. I thought that was a great badass line from Larry. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Uh, it doesn't hold up, but it was cool in the moment. To- Toby so. Keith. There you go. Uh, it was a good good segment. I liked it too. It definitely started things off, and I'm curious to see how the NWO Nitro holds up. Uh, so that leads us to our opener. Very fun pairing this match. Psychosis versus Steven Regal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric lets us know he has a surprise for tonight. Regal's jaw, jarring, uh, jawing at the crowd. A USA champ breaks out, which I always find funny when there's two non-USA competitors wrestling, but there you go. Uh, Regal starts off with some arm work. Psychosis uh, kind of floats it over. They go back and forth as we head to a break. Um, just a, a cool like note of continuity that I liked. When they go to break, it's the NWO music. That's yeah. The bumper music. I thought that was a nice little... Uh, touch mm-hmm. uh, to show that uh, we come back and I don't know what happened. Regal looked like he got dumped in the same moat the executioner did <laughs> in your house because he was drenched. Yeah, like I don't know if this was probably the the coke. Yeah, I said, <laughs> <laughs> Lord, he was sweating up a storm as we came back. Yeah. Uh, oh, and you know I didn't even realize this to right now. Like there in Pensacola mm-hmm. and. Rawls in Tampa, like they're pretty. Yeah, they, yeah, they're not too far. Yeah. yeah, we could have had a little invasion, like if they'd have thought about that. That's that's kind of cool. Uh, I thought a nice pinfall attempt by Regal uh, when Psychosis kind of sends him down shoulder first. The spinning back kick gets a real big pop for Psychosis. Uh, he does a huge plunge on the outside. He's he's getting a really good crowd reaction. I mean, he's someone that's been presented pretty much as a heel. It was, it was a little weird, like him versus Malenko, how he's presented, but 
yep. pretty much like this is about the best face reaction he's got. Running drop kick. Eric, I will say this. I like the opening. I thought Eric and Ted on commentary here talked a little bit too much about Hogan versus Piper. I understand they want to push that, but that's a match we talked about. It's kind of already been pushed. Um and they spent a lot of time talking about this. Uh, Eric says Hogan's pythons now are 24 inches and 5 eighths. Calls him a wrestling god. It was just a lot of uh, admiration for Hogan. Um, and then uh, one cool thing as we head to the ending stretch of this match is the crowd stayed on their feet um, and was very invested in this match. That's always one of my favorite things. Like when you see two guys that you never matched up, you don't really know what to expect, and the crowd kind of gets into it. And by the end, they're 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 for it. Uh, so Regal hits a nasty German suplex, a spinning kick by Psychosis that uh, looked a little shaky from the camera angle we got. And then Regal gets real aggressive. He like gives a lot of stiff palm strikes to Psychosis, locks him in to this like nasty. Uh, heart dungeon, you know, Billy Robinson s stretch. It, it, it was kind of like the regal stretch, right? But he kept varying it up. Where yeah. at one point, he grapevine the arm, he you know, put it as a sort of in like a chicken wing, then he stretched it out to where it looked like a full Nelson almost. It, it was mm-hmm. really nasty. Uh, he goes for his top rope butterfly suplex, but gets put down off of that. And then psychosis hits a huge splash for another close near fall. A lot of pin reversals, a super kick from Psychosis, and then Regal gets aggressive again, sends him down quickly, and locks on the Regal stretch for the win. So I thought this was a really good opener. Really exciting match. Um, you know, could a little bit of a Styles clash, but th- this this is like the WCW that I love from this era. Like, mm-hmm. you got these two guys that can work. They gave them enough time. You know, there wasn't, like, necessarily a huge story built in when they came out there, but they still put on a very exciting match that got you invested. You wanted to see who won, and that was that. So I went three and a quarter for this one. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was really good, and thank God. (laughs) A break from the Duggan-Pittman, you know, type openers that we've had on and off for a bit now, kind of back to where we should be with the hot openers, with the talent that they have. I thought the commentary here all was really good, too. Like, you didn't mentioned too much of it, but, um, you know, Bischoff says Sting is NWO for life. He's going to take on Rick Steiner tonight. Uh, DiBiase does a nice job. Talks about Regal defending the TV title on a recent European tour. Bischoff mentions that, uh, the contract is, uh, the contracts of the wrestlers and officials and broadcasters now will convert on Christmas. So they've added a few days to the original timeline. Bischoff says uh, they've gotten calls from over the world. People are trying to join the NWO, and they're going to have a surprise tonight with a new international star in action. He says New Japan has become the minor leagues for the NWO. Uh, Bischoff talks about all the athletes that are in the NWO, the uh, members of the Steelers we've seen, AC Green, Kevin Green, he says, is even NWO. Uh, a cool little tidbit, too, where Bischoff says Regal recently impressed him at a Christmas party. Uh, and yeah. They'll meet up soon, so like he's – I don't know. I don't know if this is a real story. Like, did Regal get hammered at a Christmas party, maybe, and and like make a scene or something? But um, <clears throat> I thought that was a cool attempt. DiBiase calls Piper a B movie star. Uh, so just like a lot of good digs all through this. Uh, a lot of talk about Nick Patrick throughout. 
DiBiase says, can they play taps on bagpipes, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Starcade. Uh, Bischoff does mention Starcade is sold out. So just a lot of commentary throughout that that really hit between Bischoff and DiBiase. You're actually a pretty good pair. Uh, great opener, I thought, overall. The crowd was digging it. Both guys are on point. Regal grinding, bouncing around. It's like, oh, this never stayed still. It's really good chemistry. And you don't usually get that with Regal. Styles classes with Regal usually get ugly. Uh, but this one did not. Psychosis kept going, um, you know, some unique offense. The finish was awesome, too, as Regal just grinds through the win. I thought it was a hidden gem and a hot start. I actually went three and a half. Uh, I really like this a lot yeah. as an opening match. So that will put it as an official Wrestling Warzone hidden gem. There you go. Um, I, I feel like this is one of the ones that really fits the name of that, too, because I, I don't think this is one you'd, uh, you know. Many no, definitely. I didn't. I mean, I vaguely like have like a memory of a regal psychosis match, but I couldn't have told you when or how it happened or what it was. They may have another one. For all, yeah, I, mean, they do I feel like they do one. in like 97 sometimes. Yeah, so. they have another one, I think, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So uh, I, I know they do because <laughs> our good friend Will from Texas uh, put both of these on the 96 year book. There big, you go. big psychosis, Mark. Um, so. It was better than the Undertaker Goldust matches he put on there as well. So. So, there yeah. you go. Our next match is Chavo Guerrero Jr. versus Big Bubba. Big Bubba. Uh, Big Bubba. Uh, Ted mentions that Bubba's wearing black. Bubba pounds right away. Chavo gets a drop toehold and a suplex. Bubba's kind of rocking back and forth on the ropes. Uh, Bubba catches Chavo going for a plancha, slams him to the floor. Uh, he sl- Gets a clothesline, but he misses a splash. Chavo fires away with some punches, forearms, flying knee. He uh, he gets a flying forearm as well, and Bubba's really trying uh, teetering, but not off his feet yet. He goes for a Rana, and the momentum takes Bubba backwards for a one count. Uh, then Chavo hits the butt butt, which, which I don't recall him using much, but it looked good here. Like, he yeah. really connected. Well, Bischoff and DiBiase don't like it. They yeah, they're like, what is that, a butt bump? <laughs> uh, so that was funny. Uh, Eric even says, like, what the hell was that? Centon uh, gets two for Chavo as well, but he runs right into – I don't even know what – what was Bubba calling that the hard times or whatever? I have no, I don't know if he even it's, had a name. It's, 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 it's slam. a finisher. If you see it, you know it. But yeah, uh, the boss man slam. Win. Yeah, boss man slam. Uh, three minute match. I thought very spirited. Actually, yeah. Yeah. I, I like the little man, big man dynamic. I think Bubba was probably motivated based on what was going to come later, so he gave a pretty good performance here. Um, I mean, I went two stars. I enjoyed this for what it was. I went star and a half. Yeah, it was it was fine. Uh, squash City, honestly, just dominant win for Bubba. So you can tell they obviously are <clears throat> kind of building him back up a little bit here toward the end of the year. This is our Valvoline replay. that <laughs> comes in this match as well. Uh, but no, but just a squash. So. All right. Um, so then we come back. Eric lets us know that it's Ted, the billion-dollar man, Tibiasi. Um, and it's uh, Masahiro Chono comes out with Sonny Ono. We get the great Japanese music that we talked about uh, that uh, Akiro Kudo uh, had and many more, I'm sure, <laughs> Japanese talent. Uh, so Gene does an interview with Chono and Ono. Uh, Eric and Ted already are hinting on commentary. There's something Sonny doesn't know. and uh, Yeah, Eric someone's going to let him know what's up. You know? This is going to be great. Um, 
So Gene says that Chono, he's he's been informed. I guess I guess he's got the scoops. So call the hotline. Uh, Gene lets us know Chono hasn't signed a contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Sono Sonny lets us know he's helping him as his agent. Uh, he's negotiating with New Japan, and he reveals a New Japan shirt. Pretty much at the same time he does that, Chono unzips his jacket, mm-hmm. and he's got a NWO shirt on. Uh, Ted loves it. Along with their commentary, yeah. surprise, surprise. Uh, so then Ono and Chono argue in Japanese. Gene's like, "What did he say?" And Ono's trying to spit it out, saying Chono said something about the NWO, but uh, Chono grabs Sonny Ono, shoves him down as he walks to the ring. Uh, Eric and Ted are just cackling on the commentary. They let us know the NWO has gone international. Um, so, I mean, we talked about like the NWO expansion and mm-hmm. their hits and misses. Really, I'd say their only miss still to this point is on Wall Street. Um, and uh, but I th- I thought this was a hit, and I love yeah. the way this was presented. Um, I mean, Chono's a cool guy. Um, yeah, he looks like a badass. Like he fits in the group. Um, for sure. Like the New Japan tilt to it's a little fuzzy. Like, like, well, where is he in Japan? He's not with New Japan. Why is Ono suddenly representing him to go to New Japan? But he's here. Like, I don't like the the reason, the rationale to get him here was a little cloudy. But then when you realize it's a setup. It's like, well, who gives a shit? The NWO just fed Sony Ono some bullshit and made him think he was getting a payday from this guy and right. fucked him up. Um, we do get a classic gene in English, you idiot, to Sonny Ono. Uh, <laughs> before Chono, he basically gave him like a shirt wedgie. He like, it was yeah, weird. Yeah, I think he was trying to rip the shirt, but it yeah, he kind of just like pulled him up good. by it. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was a good segment. I mean, like you said, Chono's a good addition and they're going to play it up now that they're invading New Japan. Yeah. NWO's worldwide taking over. It's crazy how much longevity this had in Japan, too. Mm-hmm. Like, NWO Japan's still a thing. Uh, like, when the Millionaire's Club is hanging out. <laughs> in WCW. Right. So, like, they, they outlasted right. the uh, Stevie Ray and Vincent fighting for the uh, rights to the black and white in right. a couple of years. Um, a guy in the crowd had NWO. Now, was this... Did he get his head shaped? Did you see this? He got I I couldn't tell whether he was bald and he just took like a big sharpie and put NWO or he had his no, I think he shaped, shaped it into his head. Okay. Quite quite a commitment to the craft. So there you go. Uh so this is Chris Jericho versus Masahiro Chono. Cool match on paper. Uh Jericho's on the outside. Ted says he's wondering what happened. Series of kicks from Jericho, but Chono comes back with a Kuza kick. Down he goes. Action spills the outside. Uh, Ted lets us know Chono can handle it. He's fine. Good inverted atomic drop. Uh, and then we get Eric doing the most brutal Japanese accent I've ever heard where he talks about a phone call he had with Chono where Chono said he wanted to go NWO. Uh, you know, this was straight out of Paul Orndorff WrestleMania <laughs> 2 playbook here. Uh, Chono gets the boot up on a Jericho charge in the corner, superplexed by Jericho. Eric says, oh, here, here was a big, big shots fired here. Mm-hmm. So Eric says, people were mad in Japan like McMahon was when Lex Loser came on board. <laughs> yeah. Then he says, he watched the pay-per-view last night and enough is enough. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Throw basically saying throw in the towel, guys. It's yeah, really, it's really shit so bad. Like enough. Stuff. Don't make us watch anymore. 
Uh, Jericho misses a top rope spin kick. A uh, then misses a charge and spills the outside. And this this was kind of a weird finish. I, I don't know if I've ever seen this finish since actually, where he gets his foot kind of tangled up in the rope, mm-hmm. and Chono is just like pounding away on him. And uh, Mark Curtis is the referee. He calls for the bell. Uh, before they made the official announcement, I thought it might have been like a double countout thing, but he ends right. up disqualifying Chono. Um, I mean, Chono wasn't like breaking it, and he right. was like choking him out. But you know, a lot of times when that happens, like with uh, the most notorious is Andre, you know, getting his arm stuck mm-hmm. in the ropes, and like the referee would be trying to break him free. Right. And, like Curtis did nothing to help help poor Jericho <laughs> out. So. Hey, it's like, well, it's all maybe yeah. it's the NWO guys like fuck you, like whatever. Let let him get DQ'd. <laughs> he just called for the bell. Um, as a match, I thought this was very solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's more of an angle to kind of introduce Chono into the NWO than a match itself. But Jericho was able to show some fire, so I went two and a half. Some good jokes from Bischoff and Ted too. How Jericho barely beat a ref and all that. It's like to kind of downplay mm-hmm. him. Uh, Bischoff gets the classic Masa. He's my hero, Chono. He'll shorten that to Masa, my hero, Chono, going forward. But that's a pretty famous one. Um, Ted said Chono is IWGA tag team champion. So he, <laughs> he botched that. Yeah, uh, so Bischoff, cool. and here's a very, probably if we did a most 90s category, this would get it. Bischoff implores people to order Starcade early to avoid wait times. Yes. Um, so they're kind of all over the place with the commentary. They're ripping guys. They're putting over guys. Bischoff is still kind of having to sell the pay-per-view. Um, so he's like kind of going into shill mode throughout. So I actually enjoy the commentary. I think they've been good, but they're definitely a little bit scattered in the direction. Bischoff says you can give Starcade as a Christmas gift to all your friends and family. Uh, then, like you said, Bischoff keeps doing the Japanese accent. DiBiase just loves it. He's uh, all in <laughs> on this casual racism. Uh, we get more shots at Luger. Um, and then into the finish where Bischoff says, Chodo's not used to these American rules. We can yeah. batter a guy in the ropes, I guess. Yeah, right. uh, I thought this was fun, though. We're getting a lot of time in the ring tonight. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. And, and guys that can work. Um, Jericho hung in. It's a good start for Chono. It was a gun for the NWO. Shows that he's ruthless. And Jericho was gutsy. Just took the shit kicking until the ref called for the bell. So I went two and three quarters. I, you know, I thought this was pretty yeah. good. Um, and I enjoyed the entire Chono angle and match. I thought it was a good segment. Yeah, that alone is probably outside of maybe Brett's promo, like better than anything we saw probably on Raw. Um, and this is probably like the fourth most important thing on the show, maybe, you know? Yeah, agreed. Uh, did you ever have the busy signal when you tried to call for a pay-per-view? I, mean... I think by the time I was ordering myself, we had the box where you just press mm, the button. Right. Um, I, at least I think, because we used to go, I went to my cousins for all of them until like WrestleMania 11, pretty much uh, other than like survivor series for my birthday. And I think even those we ordered a couple days in advance just to have them because we were having like friends over and shit. So by the time where it was just like me every month ordering them, I think we just hit the button. Gene also called Sonny Ono, Jerry Maguire. That was yeah, that was, that meant to mention that Jerry Maguire reference. <laughs> Very 96 reference. I, I'm pretty sure Jerry Maguire is the first rated R movie I ever watched. Nice little, nice little Chad, Chad bit of trivia. That, uh, it's the first one I remember, like actually sitting down and watching. Uh, WCW Saturday Night, following an airing of a Christmas story. So this was back before they did it for 24 hours, I guess. Um, do you know when that started? Does that feel like a mid-2000s thing? Um, 
I mean, this feels like it would have been early for it, but I want to say it wasn't too long after this. Okay. I, I want to say, well, and this is TNT. I think it's TBS is where it starts on. So maybe well, this, this is here. Well, this is Saturday night. Oh, after. I'm sorry, Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I I remember it being a thing like in the late '90s. I feel like already. Okay. I'm sure Sean Kidd will correct us on the exact date. He's got it ingrained in. Uh, we didn't get any matches for WCW Saturday night. We got Hall uh, Hall and Nash in a handicap match. So I mean, they're two big stars. Uh, and then Jeff Jarrett, Diamond Ellis Page, who Bischoff mentions, I need to talk to that guy. Which, you know, we got no page here. This is maybe the first show in a while page wasn't on, I think. So yeah, it's no, been a while. No yeah. Uh, Scott Norton, Eddie Guerrero, and M. Wall Street. So that's your lineup. All right, real quick. Uh, I, I pulled up the stuff on uh, Chris's oh, story. Here, here we go. Uh, all right. So um, the marathon. So th they started showing it in 1987 was the first airing. Um, the film premiered on TBS and local TV stations in December of 87. 89 and 90, TBS showed up on Thanksgiving night. 91 and 92, they started airing it the night after. Kind of became into rotation from there. And then in 1997 is when TNT started. Um, I just lost it. I had it. Okay. This marks the 25th year one of both channels, the 24-hour marathon, the classic movie. The marathon began on TNT in 1997. TBS wow. joined the marathon in 2004, and alternating between the channels, Warner Media has now been airing it on both channels every year since 2017. So, since 97, it looks like was when they started. There's actually a story out there on RetroNetwork.com <laughs> explains the whole history of the Christmas story and its and its uh, syndicated airings, but. Um, it increasingly picked up on TBS, TNT, and Turner Classic Movies in 91. 95 was aired over the bowl, all three channels and combined six times from 24th to the 26th. There was six viewings or so successful. In 1996, it uh, increased to eight broadcasts, and then 97 went to the 24-hour marathon. Always, uh, I remember as a kid, like on Thanksgiving, one of the, I don't know which network, but one of the big networks uh, would show Home Alone on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that. And then I think like the next night for a few years, they would show Mighty Ducks. So that, that I don't was remember that one as much. I remember yeah. the Home Alone airing, um, you know, Christmas, Charlie Brown Christmas a lot of times. I feel like it was night after maybe too. Yeah. Um, like my cousins have an obnoxious amount of lights. Like for a while they had the most Christmas lights in my hometown. And I know, like, they would always have a christening on Thanksgiving night. Mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, that, that was going on. So, we also made a homemade sausage balls. Very, oh. very nostalgic. Very nostalgic. Christmas story. Not a fan. So, that's my, it's all right. I, I have no nostalgia towards it. So, it's one of those I didn't things. either. Like, I don't think I really even got into it until. And I'm not even like into it, but I, I would say over the last 10 years is when I kind of would make sure I kind of watch it through at least once during that. Marathon. Yeah, I don't think I watched it all the way through till maybe the last 15 years. But yeah, like it, I wasn't it, like it wasn't like a big movie for me growing up or like Home Alone was my big Christmas movie for sure. Like, yeah, I, I go I go Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, Elf. Uh, that that yeah, could be yeah. a good draft. Mm. Um. So uh, they show some more clips of Piper 
uh, basically talk about how much of a coward he is. They did actually show him beating up Bischoff this time. Yeah. But then they, they do do another cut where, like, Nash is on the outside and they're about to get in the ring. Um, Kind of showing it, you know, this was the one that we, on the network, you get the extra bonus footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they still cut it off before you can see like the NWO and Piper going at it in the yeah. actual ring here. So it was interesting when they cut it. Uh, then we get a big horseman interview. Uh, Ric Flair has the big Florida um, <laughs> windbreaker. Like, V-neck windbreaker yeah. on. He, he's ready to go. This is uh, deep in the Danny Warfel era. So big, big time Florida Gator guy. Uh, Arn Mongo Deborah also out. Arn says the kiss of a beautiful woman has poisoned a lot of great minds. Very, very poetic. Uh, Sullivan's yours was the first. Benoit, yours won't be the last. I mean, this was just great. Like such great lines by Arn uh, for something I don't really care about. And then Arn says he has a solution for Sullivan. He's going to mend his broken heart by giving him a broken body tonight in their match. Flair says Benoit is a good man and woman, oh woman, they should travel through Germany at the speed of life. So, uh, you know, okay. Uh, and then Deborah gets all there and she has a scathing promo for Nancy. And yeah, Chris. she is not into Nancy at all. He says, who cares about nasty Nancy running around <laughs> with little boy Chris? Chris has hit on her a few times, but she goes for real men. She talks about her pageant days, says she beat out 200 other girls from Miss Texas, and says she's looked at the other women in the industry, and they would have a dog's chance of winning a beauty pageant. And Eric is on commentary loving that. He's uh-huh. like, I don't like her. Um, so so there you go. Uh, basically, she's the one that cuts a problem like Mongo gets cucked and don't even get he don't say nothing hardly. Well, yeah, um, he tells Arn Sullivan's coming to take your yeah, throat. Yeah, basically has like a one-liner. Yeah. Uh, they're they're running out of time, so Gene very quickly wants Flair to comment on Piper versus Hogan. Um, uh, I mean, what what happened here? Flair lost his voice in like two seconds. Yeah, like it sounded fine at the beginning. Then he starts talking here. He says, Piper will walk the aisle. Hogan will know once and for all what it means to pay the price. Uh, and then he says he's going to Kevin Green's house right now for a party. Panther party. Yeah, Carolina party. The Carolina uh, Panther party. But, I mean, his voice is completely gone. Yeah, he's Eric, got nothing. Is, Eric is, like, dogging on it on commentary. Uh, so it was, it was a little weird. I mean, overall, though, I, th- I thought this was entertaining. I mean, everybody kind of got their thing in. So. It is, it's entertaining, but the content to me is like, it's like some of my least favorite shit right now going on. And, and don't mm-hmm. be like Sullivan and Arn and Ben, like, I'm just not into it. And uh, maybe it's it's the future stuff that shades it for me, right? Like, just not wanting to see Benoit and woman in this love oh, triangle. Right. With, it's like, you know, it's, it's tough to sit through anyway, but it's also very convoluted. Like, they still haven't been super clear with it. All those weird Sullivan back talk and sneaky, you know, words that he sneaks into the promos and the way Arn says shit. Like it's never really been delivered in a straightforward way either. It's all very hush hush. It's just the whole thing is odd. I mean, Deborah, she plays a great boozy, you know, nose hound. I guess like you know, you picture her out to brunch, just bagging on all the other women. I yeah. guess like if that's else-wise. Great. I don't think she's trying to do it. I think it's how she is. So it's like working, but all of it just seems like. I don't know. Like, 
I like my horsemen breaking guys' hands on the parking lot and beating the shit out of people. <laughs> like, not this like reality show drama shit. Like we've kind of sunk into with them, dragged into this Benoit, Nancy <laughs> Sullivan triangle, and Flair is just like out, kind of partying and not really involved in things. I know he's hurt, but like Mongo, like you said, is kind of kind of sitting in the hotel chair in the corner. Um, so the whole thing is just kind of weird, but but their energy and, and gravitas like carries it. So it's still entertaining. It's just like I wish it was like a hotter, better angle we had going on with them. Yeah, Deborah's pretty much like JJ from the eighties. Like yeah. essentially. It's it's interesting. I mean, I don't I mean the stuff with Benoit and Woman is odd, but I thought this was good from a Sullivan Arn perspective. I'm just done with the few I'm just like I'm done with Sullivan. I'm done with the horse. Well, you better. I know we got a lot more to go. <laughs> Like, fuck. Yeah. It's what everyone like complains about Benoit later. Like, oh, glass ceiling, he's being held down. This is where we should have been mad. It's like he's spending a year of his prime, like dealing with Kevin Sullivan in a love angle. Like, he should have been out there b- being the one battling Regal and psychosis in these hot matches and being battling for the mid card titles and everything. Instead, he's like doing this stupid nonsense. Man, he's just been gone. They've been on this year. That's too. He's in, J- well, he's in Japan, probably, right? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Or are they just trying to sell the angle? Like, I don't. No, yeah, no. they're. I, I think it's a combination, but yep. Uh, then we get a, an utterly bizarre match. David San Martino <laughs> comes out, looks so different from how he looks in 1985. It's like watching Snooki in the first season of Jersey Shore in the family vacation. Now I mean, that's David San Martino, he oh, is like ripped and skinny, yeah. and kind of looks like stretch armstrong like it was just yeah. i was like oh you, there's no way if you put these two guys next to each other in a picture you're not saying it's definitely the same person that's how dramatically different he looks yeah um so uh ted you know talks about he's a second generation wrestler bruno summertino's his dad uh eric says don't call bruno the living legend or larry will be back out here getting all <laughs> upset uh so i'm actually very i mean you know David is interesting because, like, he's one of these guys, like, he had to be working. And, you know, I know he's in, like, Abrams, UWF, and some other stuff. But that's, like, 90 or 91. So, it's, like, from 1992 to right now, 1996. It's, like, what was this guy doing? I don't don't think he was wrestling. I don't think he was. Okay. Well, he actually had some pretty good chain wrestling here to start out. The crowd didn't care, but I did. I enjoyed it. Uh, Eric lets us know again. You, if you only buy one pay per view this year, it needs to be Starcade. I mean, it's the last pay per view of the year, so right, that's all we got left. Yeah, know, yeah. If you, if, you, if you held it in the holster this long, like you got nothing else to do. Uh, really nice hammerlock from David. <laughs> Dean misses a charge. David gets a pitted tip, and then they basically go straight to the finish where they're exchanging pinfall attempts. A weird ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was too. I think it was just, I think they go with the philosophy of like, if the referee counts it, they're just going to run with it. Uh, So that's what happened here where it looked like David's shoulder was up, but uh, Curtis counted the three and uh, that was that. So uh, not much of a match. I don't know if we'll see David again, but. It was an interesting one. Shows up for this cruiserweight title match of all things. Yeah. I, I, I want to start in a fourth. I, mean, I didn't know what to write this. So after leaving WWF in 86, he went to the AWA, 
Um, he was there for a bit. He actually went yeah. back to the WWF in '88. Got fired for punching a fan in New York. Yeah, I think he he goes back right when Bruno leaves because right. they, had they had like a, a falling, falling out, out, right? Yeah, yeah, big time falling out. Uh, in '90, he started working for UWF. He went to all Japan uh, until '90. He was done from '90 to '95. In '95, he started working in New Jersey. Had a couple of matches against our old friend Tommy Cairo. Uh, and then he shows up here in WCW. Um, he only has one other match. It's a dark match against Rex King. <laughs> so that's it for him. So this is the only time we'll see him. 2000, yeah. he defeated Jimmy Cicero to win the New York State Wrestling Federation Heavyweight title. In 2010, he had a match for the International Wrestling Cartel, Night of Legends. He beat Larry Zabisco on that show. Uh, semi-retired working as a trainer, personal trainer. He's been doing that since 1996. Uh, still had a strained relationship with his father. So, yeah, I think he just got into personal training, which would explain the body change and everything. Yep. Um, so, good on him. Uh, this was nothing. Like I said, Bischoff just hypes the shit out of Starcade, some arm work into the weird finish. I went one star. The end is odd, too. It, it felt more like an exhibition. It didn't get to cook, cook at all, really, because of the ending. And then David just, like, shrugs and leaves. <laughs> yeah. He goes like that and just walks off. So, like, is this a real weird bit like a historical note david san martino nitro botch finish shrugs we never see him again that was that was it david san martino is an interesting i mean he it's almost like david flair i guess mm. on like a smaller level like if you wouldn't have had charlotte i'd kind of been like flair's legacy with his kids in the wrestling business too like had a, right. like one run and then was just done and yeah. did something else um it, bad timing it, for david like i just think the whole shit with, with bruno in the name in the 80s and he just was i mean he was okay he was just kind of boring he might have actually been better off in the nwa like in the 80s like with the style he was working yeah he, I mean, there he, was like there. he was there early yeah. He was in Mid Atlantic in the early '80s. I, I I just think, I mean, I just think it's tough. He's, he, I mean, you know, honestly, like the only thing marketable about him is his last name, and his last name. Yeah. When you think about one of the most charismatic, right. you know, personal connection wrestlers of all time, and then you get David, it's 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 so weird. It's always weird when that happens, but I mean, it happens a lot. Um, going to hour two, Eric. Says, you know, he's ready to go back to the back and watch all this unfold and the party. So he says, bring out Heenan, Shivani, and Tanay. Uh, you know, they can have the commentary back. So the announcers come out. The changeover happens for hour number two. Tony lets us know that this is WCW Monday Nitro. Uh, they talk about Chono joining the NWO. Tanay lets us know that expands the NWO horizons. Uh, then he turns over to the brain uh, to talk about Roddy Piper. Heenan gives his usual spell that, you know, Piper's not scared of Hogan. Hogan's in deep trouble, basically predicting gloom and doom for Hogan at Starcade. Uh, that leads us into a random match, another debut, uh, Jerry Flynn. Oh, yes, master of the martial arts. Yes, versus Ice Train. Uh, Flynn has a very unique kill character where he's basically <laughs> yelling, shut up at the cameraman. <laughs> like, almost he, looks like, he looks like such a skis with the mullet, the guts hanging out of the robe, 
Um, I loved it. It was like Will Ferrell oh, in yeah, uh, Wedding yeah. Crashers when he's on yeah. the couch with the robe and the gut. Yep. Gut flopped yep. out. Just like I, I just he looked like just uh just a skis bag that lives down the hall in your apartment building. You know, yeah, he looked like somebody. He definitely looked like your like local karate master that was a grifter too. Yeah, that, yeah. you know, said he was like this third degree black belt. <laughs> <laughs> Trained under a uh, you know Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt under uh, Royce Gracie, and then <laughs> turns out it was like Roy Grace is who <laughs> his black belt or whatever. Oh, uh, um, it's so great! I loved it when he walked out. Like, this guy's yeah. awesome. Just with a skis bag. Yeah. Uh, so a huge elbow from Ice Train since landed <laughs> outside right away. Uh, gets a splash. He's looking good. He's making mm-hmm. a lot of contact. Uh, Flynn comes back with clothesline and kick. Then tells the camera to shut up. Uh, nice spinning kick by Flynn. I will say, like I've watched, Flynn, yeah. I've watched Flynn in Japan, and he has some actually like legitimate, exciting shoot style matches. Yeah. Um, so and, and it's a nice like a lot of variety on yeah. this Nitro show. Uh, Tony in the middle of this gets handed a memo and says, like, I got to read it. It's my obligation. Why did Bischoff just do this? I don't know. (laughs) It's like literally four minutes after Bischoff left. He handed Tony a memo. (laughs) Just finalized. (laughs) Um, So it's the NWO is presenting a pay-per-view in January in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Tickets go on sale Friday, and he announces the name as sold out. So Maybe they wanted to do an hour or two after Raw went off the air. Maybe they waited to do a big announcement. So, so we get the big, big reveal of that. Uh, Tanae says, hey, Tony, we understand your job's in jeopardy, so you have to announce it, etc. And then right then, Ice Train uh, catches a kick from Jerry Flynn, gets him in an ankle lock. Yep. Very early, mm-hmm. ooh, early ankle lock. Predating Shamrock. Yeah. Yes, and uh, Flynn taps out to that. We get a tap out, too. Um, to end this match. Uh, another kind of styles clash match a little odd wasn't nothing great but it was entertaining enough to me for what it was only one star and a half but i mean it was uh quite an eclectic group of uh guys that were wrestling tonight i went two and a half i liked it oh boy i like trains power offense i like <laughs> flynn's bombs like i it was tight like i don't know i just this is my kind of style of like the sloppy power match <laughs> um mayo's is taken by flynn's skis look but uh, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was fine. Like I've actually liked all the matches tonight on Nitro. I think it's been pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. Bobby's scared of the end of it. Very scary situation, he says, with the NWO. Oh, yeah. oh, he's always scared. So anyway, I dug it. I like Flynn. Yeah, we get we get my least favorite Bobby trope almost immediately as six is in the hallway. I'm out of here. Outsiders. Yeah. See ya for yeah. Bobby. Uh, immediately, I'm turning uh, on Bobby here. Like I didn't. I was wondering when it was going to start to happen. And I liked him like through most of Nitro '96 and everything, but as like the danger has ramped up, he's gotten like super annoying. Yeah. Um, I actually prefer Larry during during this time period. Oh yeah, I I just think like Bobby. I mean, he's okay, but the two worst things are his see ya immediately. Mm-hmm. Like it's like we understand like you've been a weasel and a, right. a coward your whole career, but you know, come on, and then. The whole stuff with Sting is just preposterous. Right, like yeah. every time, like if, if you know Sting has black hair, so he's NW. I mean, it's just right. so dumb. Like it gets crazy. Uh, Six asks Kevin Nash, "What's up with the bandana?" Kevin says he's looking too sweet. Hall says uh, he knows he's going to watch Hogan take care of Piper. 
Um, and at Starcade, they're also putting the belts up the line against the faces of fear. Nashton says they don't want to wait till Starcade and challenges them tonight uh, to a match. So we get kind of an impromptu challenge here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hall lets us know that those savages have to the end of the night. <laughs> he wants an answer. Uh, which we never hear an answer from them. They just right. say when it comes back. Well, Nashville, they're giving each other a bath. So right, you know. right. So there you go. <laughs> they said they got to fire up Picola, baby. <laughs> uh, this, this, I mean, I don't know if you had anything to add to that. It was no, um, it was yeah, was usual cool. NWO nonsense. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, we get our shirt shield mm-hmm. for the NWO. I have a shirt. Little have added caveat. Now you can get the hat. For yes, 15, 15 bucks. Yes, so there we go. Uh, Sting music. I'm surprised video. it took them this long to make the hat, honestly. I was actually looking if there was a custom, you know, <laughs> NWO hat out there right now because uh, I, I could rock the hat. I could rock an NWO hat. That sounded like a pretty cool uh, addition to Big Chad's mm-hmm. wardrobe. Um, a Sting video airs. I thought this was cool. It's, it's, it's eerie, it's kind of dark and atmospheric. Uh, it has sort of a shot of him just sort of up in the rafters, like staring. But then off to the side, it shows clips of him, you know, attacking Rick Steiner and him and Luger and kind of just giving us what's been going on the past few months with him. Yep. Um, at the end of it, though, Bobby proclaims he's NWO, of course. So there you go. Uh, next match, another another. <laughs> Another interesting one. Yeah. Bobby Eaton versus Rey Mysterio. Uh, Bobby takes over with his left hand. He gives Rey a backbreaker. Someone randomly in the crowd goes, Midnight Express, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Die hard. Yeah. I think it may have been Sheriff Pete. So <laughs> he, he was he was excited. Uh, they announced Liger versus Ray at Starcade, which if you're a hardcore fan around mm-hmm. this time, dream match. Oh, Absolutely. yeah, big time. Uh, action spills the outside. Big tope by Ray that sends Eaton into the guardrail. That gets the crowd excited. He tries to send Eaton in and kind of like a Rana, but he gets caught up a little bit in the ropes. Eaton fires back, goes for a suplex. Spinning kick from Ray stops that. He hits the uh, springboard drop kick in the moonsault using the ropes as an assist. Uh, Eaton works over a little bit on offense, hits his big knee from the top, but then eventually Ray's able to hit the Rana to end it. Um, you know, I mean, this is 1996 Bobby Eaton, so it would have been nice to have 1987 Bobby Eaton versus Ray Mysterio. We don't have that now. Um, it, it was what it was. I mean, I went two and a quarter. That was kind of like a respectable. It wasn't like I wasn't not entertained. Right. But yeah. It's also one of those matches where it's it was a little sad for me because it's like, oh, these are two of my top 100 wrestlers of all time, and actually two of my top 50. And it's just one so past his prime, and mm-hmm. one's just starting out into his prime that it's like they're really like two passing trains in the night that are meeting. So. Yeah, it was okay. A lot of offense for Eaton. Uh, Ray's speed is so good. Big improvement on the show when you get these types of matches every week, even though this wasn't what you would hope, maybe. Um, yeah. This is so much better than some of the other crap dug in on Wall Street and stuff like that that we've suffered through in the past. A um, couple of big spots around the grinding. Two and a half stars for me. 
Tony gets into the Benoit stuff too. He says he left Arn behind to fight his battles. So like they're really hyping that up too um, throughout this. So yeah, pretty whatever. Basic. Oh, they also say Jimmy Hart accepted the challenge officially. So we will get outside of face the fear tonight. Yeah, yeah Jimmy. Jimmy Tony says half of them. Okay. Yes, t- Tony says Jimmy has accepted the challenge. So. There we go. They're, um, they're still giving each other the bath. So all right. Uh, Lee Marshall's in Macon. Did you yep. have notes on his uh, road report? He says he's talked to a lot of fans coming in from Atlanta for the last Nitro before Christmas. He says the rare white Gordonian guzzling weasel will be there as well. And Bobby tells him to stay off the moonshine. So there you go. A lot of bad jokes. Yep. So. And that'll be our go home, obviously, too, for Starcade. So. Right. But, yeah. uh, then we get, I don't know. <laughs> this was uncomfortable. This was Ben Wong yep. on the video. We talked about it. They're drinking wine. Uh, the footage looks foreign. I don't know how else to say it. It looks like it was from a foreign country. Ben Wong asked about the gondola ride. Uh, they ask where they're going next. He speaks some French, and the woman's like, Oh, you're taking me to Paris. And a woman says she might be coming home, but she might not be. She's not cold anymore. Um, you know, and she might have found a home with Benoit. Benoit basically dresses down Sullivan as much as he can. He says, what is it like being alone and being a loser, losing the most important thing you've ever had? It sure feels great gaining it. Um, I, I mean, we talked about it. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, it is... It's tough. Like, it. it this is one of the... For me, this is some of the toughest stuff in wrestling. Like, it's tasteless as wrestling can be. Mm-hmm. Like, this is some of the toughest stuff to watch. Yeah. Um, I think it doesn't get talked about enough for being like, you know, I don't know what the Observer Awards were looking at this point for like most disgusting promotional tactic or whatever, but like, this had to be up there. I mean, this is, it's just mean spirited. Like, who's the face? Like, like it's also muddy. Yeah. It's an ECW vibe, but even it feels even mean for ECW. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know if they were even doing this. I know, like we're around the time with Raven and Lori Fullington and Tyler, I guess. So yes, but um, this feels even more real. And I, maybe it's because we know what comes from it. it. Like looking back, it's even more like dark. Um, you know, Benoit says Kevin doesn't life suck, and um, yeah, the stuff about walking on the late lonely, you know, night lonely walks on the beach in an empty house and all this stuff. Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, Sullivan's booking this, right? And even like beyond what ends up happening with with Benoit and Nancy at the end, it's like if you just look at this moment in time, like, you know, speaking personally from someone that just went through a divorce, like you. I can think of like what Sullivan's headspace was at that point where he, you know, was probably trying. I mean, from all accounts, it's like he was trying to hang on or, you know, whatever. And he could see that that was going away. Like, it's just it's a really like it gives you really bad vibes. Like, it's just it's the whole thing's just off and tough to watch and then and then you pile on what ends up happening and it's even worse right it's It's like in retrospect it's brutal in real time it's confusing and we've dealt a lot of tv time to this um yeah i'm just haven't been a fan at all and again maybe knowing what happens later clouds it even more but i don't think it's even entertaining i mean 
the shitty stuff that happens in the future yeah. for stuff that's entertaining in the past and we call I, it out. But I this mean, is just like just not that great. I think on on three levels it doesn't work. Like if you're just like a wrestling person that has no knowledge of what's going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes at this time, it's not great because you don't really know who's a heel or face. It's just two guys like fighting and it's mean spirited and weird. If you do know what's happening, like if you're an observer around this time, it's it's tough because again, like you know, Sullivan's booking this, but it's like, what's his headspace and like, what's his object? Like, you know, you're you're when that stuff's going on, you're in a you're in a world that's, I mean, it's what what Benoit talks about. Like, it's it's a very dark like mental capacity, I'm sure, around this time. And then you know what's happening. You know what happened twenty six. You know, in Ford. And it's even worse. So it's it's all bad, all bad. Um, I mean, I, I'm actually hoping eventually they'll just get to like in ring. Like, I mean, the in ring stuff I can handle to a degree. It's it's really this stuff where you're getting these promos and all this. Like, this is the worst of the worst. These like vignettes. So there we go. It, uh, Tony lets us know we didn't need to see that. That leads to Sullivan versus Arn. Uh, Sullivan stumps out and says, Shivani, I said no tape in his Boston accent. Uh, and then they have a, uh, actually, I thought a pretty nasty fight. So they fight in the entrance. Uh, this one goes right out of control. Sullivan throws a chair right at Orn's head. Orn gets the chair but misses it and hits the post. Some nasty punches from Sullivan in the corner. They go into the crowd. Uh, Arn back inside the ring, they're just pounding away. Kevin rakes the eyes of Arn, and Arn ends up DDTing Mark Curtis while he's blinded. Sullivan gets in the double stomp, the tree of woe. Uh, Arn hits Kevin in the nuts when he charges in on the tree of woe. That was a cool looking spot. Mm-hmm. They pop the crowd. Uh, Arn's looking for a DDT, but Hugh Morris comes in. Uh, Hugh Morris ends up getting the DDT. The crowd's electric for that. Conan's up on the apron. He gets punched down. Jimmy Hart gets sent into the ring. So a lot of chaos here. Uh, meanwhile, Conan recovers, gives Kevin Sullivan the chair. He whacks Arn with it and gets the pin. A quick note, Bubba is on the outside for this, but mm-hmm. doesn't get physical at all. So I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, Mongo comes out with the Halliburton after all this. Yeah, baby. I don't, I don't know what he was doing. I guess consoling Deborah over Nasty Nancy. I mean, he was way slow. Right. Like, like when Hugh Morris is outrunning you, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, let's let's step it up. But as a match itself, um, shockingly entertaining to me. Like it was frantic. Um, very spirited between these two like just as a standalone match i enjoyed it as a brawl it was very garbagey and enjoyable to me so i went three stars for the match but i kind of compartmentalized it from the feud as a whole the wooden chair shot at the end was really nasty i Mm -hmm. mean bubba really crushed um I mean, uh, Sullivan really crushed him with it. Wild scene. It was, I thought it was great. It was a crazy, realistic, hate fueled fight, some intense spots. The finish worked. Um, if we just had a better story around it, it could have really amped it up even more. But they, yep. they did it in spite of it. And Arn's not going to be happy with the way this went out for sure. He takes a loss and a hard chair shot on behalf of Benoit. Mm-hmm. At some point, Benoit's going to have to come here and defend himself and, and make up for all this shit. But uh, I went two and three quarters again. It was, it was a fun chaos. And, 
if we only just had a better story, I'd be more into Sullivan and Arn just being two old bar brawlers beating the shit out of each other. But give me like a real compelling reason for it instead of what we got going on. Or make give us a reason why, like again, you're dancing around weird shit that you're not really saying. Like, did Sullivan abuse woman? She's running to Benoit, but Benoit and woman are really rubbing it in in a nasty way. And it's like, and then Deborah's shitting on Nancy and Benoit. So it's like, who's the face? Like, it's just, there's no one to like in the story. It's like Breaking Bad. It's like, there's like no faces in any of this. You know what I mean? It's like, everyone's just a piece of shit. Like, who am I supposed to get behind? Um, You comparing this to Breaking Bad may be worse than Vance comparing the Karate Fighters to Billy Jean Where's my Jimmy McGill in this story? I want someone to root for. Mm-hmm. All a bunch of pricks. Yeah. Uh, so then the next three segments are pretty rapid fire. This was an interesting, I thought, setup. We we yeah. talked about when they kind of broke stride on their structure. Mm-hmm. I thought this was one of them where they kind of went away from it because really we have three segments here to end the show. Um where there's like one minute of combined in-ring action. Yeah. Uh, so Rick comes out for his match with Sting. Sting's shown on the catwalk. Scott is really transit, starting to transition into Big Papa Pump. He's wearing the black leather. He's, you know, a high head. He, it, it's starting to come for sure. Uh, we want Sting Chance ring out from the crowd. He comes down from the crowd. They take forever to get a close-up shot for him. Um, and they show it, and then they cut away, and then when they show back, uh, Bobby mentions he doesn't have a bat. Right. Then they cut away. They show another Sting jumping the guardrail, and this mm-hmm. Sting does have a bat. Tony's like, did he get that from a fan? I'm like, well, who's <laughs> letting these fans just bring in bats? But anyway, so it's it's pretty clear it's a fake Sting, right? Um, and then uh, he gets in, the fake Sting gets into the ring, Tony squeals out there, two stings. Uh, so NWO sting opens the ropes for the other sting. Uh, Bobby, I thought, was pretty dumb here initially, where he says, like, well, who is who? It's like, all right. Well, Tony says, I could tell the real sting because he's acting darker. <laughs> yeah, that, that was dumb, too. That mean? I mean, I mean, they, they started out good. They were like, I think it's the one on the left. It was like, yes, right. please just say that. But yeah, yeah, he's acting more dark was strange uh so the bat gets pointed at real sting from fake sting real sting then like does basically a magic trick like i didn't know he had a bat in his jacket but he rolls the bat down from his jacket pulls that out points it at the fake sting uh real sting pats fake sting and both turn around as he throws the bats to the steiners so now the Steiners have the bats, and both Stings are turned around with their backs to them. Real Sting then gives Fake Sting a death, Scorpio Death Drop. Uh, he catches the bat from Rick Steiner and walks away. So, I mean, this seemed a little convoluted, mm-hmm. right, just describing. But in watching it, it was pretty cool. Yeah, And I do think the moment of him dropping him with the Scorpion Death Drop was a really cool moment. The crowd went nuts. Uh, him catching the bat from Rick was cool. Um, and then a real Sting walks away. So overall, pretty convoluted, but I, I thought it was successful. Yeah, I thought it was good because it's, you know, the first real message again to the NWO from Sting. Uh, but there's still enough there where, like, the NWO plays these mind games. They're known to sacrifice fake Sting. So, like, could it still be a setup and they're just sacrificing fake Sting to bait in WCW? So you still have to wonder that. 
Um, he's trying to earn the Steiners' trust. This has been ongoing for weeks now with Sting and the Steiners. Uh, so that was a good payoff to that. And it was cool having the two Stings together again, kind of the paying off what happened at Fall Brawl. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a really good segment. Then we got a Hogan interview. And a Christmas uh, Starcade ad. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I don't, I think Bobby's already said it, but you know, Bischoff mentioned it too. And Bobby at one point was like, just surprise the kids at Christmas for Starcade. I'm like, when did this become a big thing that like for Christmas you get Starcade? So yeah. they're, they're really pushing that. Uh, so Hogan interview, he's out with his crew that we talked about. So it's the Giant, Vincent, Ted, and Elizabeth. Uh, Hogan calls out Piper. Tony says he knows that Piper isn't there. Uh, and then Hogan talks about his career starting in Pensacola. Then he transitioned to Flair and says he has nothing left with that bad shoulder and the bad hip of Piper. He could beat both of them at the same time. Um, and, and as he was talking about this, I may have gotten worked because um, I was thinking, I was like, Wow, he's like back to scattered brain Hogan, right? Mm -hmm. But then Tony mentions that Piper has flipped. And or that Hogan has flipped. Like Hogan's right. flipped out. And I think like this was, you know, I think this was like a smart, purposeful effort mm -hmm. on Hogan's part to seem sporadic, paranoid, yeah. you know. Uh, delusional, yeah, yeah, delusional. Like every he's trying to convince himself and everyone that he's the real yes. legend. That Piper's not in his head; very, he's in control. Yeah, right. So uh, this was almost like a a, a big brain mm -hmm. promo in many ways that I think carried a lot of subtlety you wouldn't yeah. necessarily expect from Hogan. Um, and I thought it was very successful because then Ted taps him on the shoulder, whispers something into his ear. Hogan says, boy, am I surprised. Piper isn't here. When he came out, he ran out of the back door, and he stomps off. Uh, Hogan, by the way, is wearing a really sweet NWO tank top. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we ever see this one again. has, like, a skull on the back. has, like, barbed wire lettering in a box around NWO. Really cool. Um, but... This was a promo in the beginning. I was like, man, this isn't a great promo to have two weeks out from Starcade. Mm -hmm. And by the end, I actually loved it. Like, I thought it was some of the yeah. best, like, most nuanced work I've seen from Hogan, maybe ever. Like, he, even, like, in his peak as a face, like, when you're still, like, very pro right. Hogan, it's not exactly the most nuanced character in the world. Um, so I, I, I thought this was very successful in getting across that pipe that Hogan is legitimately scared of Piper. Yeah. Without and, saying it, it's just yeah. very subtle. Yeah. yeah. And this, it was good. This time in a while he's been like that. He had a great line too, where he goes, uh, the fans in Picola remember Hogan starting and beating up Andre and then apologizes to DiBiase for beating up Andre. I thought that was a cool little callback and a nice touch. That was funny. Um, you know, Hogan shits on flair. He says, you used to have Liz and woman and the belt. And now you got nothing, just a bad shoulder. And with Piper's bad hip, he'll beat you both at the same time. He wants Piper. Uh, and then he makes Liz kiss his cheek. He wants to show up that has been savage who's sitting in a wheelchair. Cause Hogan is Philly in his bag, just shooting on everyone. 
uh, throughout this, and then you yeah, enter the finish. Bobby calls him Thunder Lips at the end as well, mm-hmm. which is funny. Um, so it was a good heater promo. It's just Hogan get his delusions over. Uh, it was maybe a little long, but um, I, I thought it was effective as well. I thought they did a good job showing that this dude is trying to show he's in control, but he's really spiraling uh, because Piper's in his head, even though he's claiming it's the other way around. Right. Uh, leads us into our main event. Outsiders come out. Lots of kids wearing NWO shirts in the crowd. Big brawl to start when the Faces of Fear come out. Uh, Mean gets tripped up by Nash. We get a clothesline from Hall. Uh, Barbarian hits the big boot on Hall. Uh, Then he catches one from Nash. And then the match just breaks down. So really like a minute of action. I didn't even rank it. I mean, it was what it was. Uh, And then we get our big closing ankle. So Big Bubba runs in. He hits Ming, and he joins the NWO. Uh, and that starts a huge chain effect where Sullivan comes out, Bubba wallops him, Conan gets a flurry in on Bubba, but he gets caught up in the numbers game along with Hugh Morris. The Giant is the next person to come out for the NWO. I thought that was a cool callback to his time in with the dungeon. Uh, so I liked it. He was kind of the first one out there from the <laughs> reserves. Uh, and then Bagwell, Wall Street, Vince, and Six are out. Team WCW comes out, which included Regal, Psychosis, Chavo Guerrero, Chono comes out. And essentially what we have is like a battle royal. That's what it looks like. Like yep. everybody's just in the in the ring fighting each other. Tony says the battle lines have been drawn. And then Ice Train and Scott Norton kind of come out and they're at the ringside area. And Norton all of a sudden just attacks Ice Train. Uh, so it's a little bit, you know vague at the beginning like I, I think even bobby says like everybody's hitting each other or something like that but then when norton gets in the ring he's he's not touching the nwo guys so he's also clearly now mm-hmm. nwo as well uh a big choke slam from chavo uh to chavo from the giant in the middle of the ring yeah um, <laughs> a funny moment that i noticed david Martino's out there <laughs> Uh, and I think he forgot like what was supposed to be happening because he's punching away at Mongo. It's <laughs> not he was not supposed to be doing that. I don't think. I mean, he was trying to force his way to the NWO. Maybe it's yeah, like, he was just, he's like, well, if I just act this way, maybe they'll give you the jerk. It was like one of those old like Royal Rumble moments where it's just like pair up with somebody. <laughs> he picked Mongo. Uh, so Sting's come out. Sting mm-hmm. is coming out. Great call from Tony when that happens. Uh, Tony says, yeah, this is Sting, all right. Uh, Sting gets grabbed by Arn when he enters the ring, and then Sting decks Arn. Mongo comes in to defend Arn. Sting fights him, and all the other fighting just ceases in the ring. So now they're watching Sting beat up Mongo. Ray jumps on the back of Sting. He kind of throws him off, and then Sting walks away. We're out of time. Still bringing, you know, that still muddles the water, you know, a little bit on what side is. It offsets what we saw earlier. Right. So uh, another big closing angle. I thought some of the execution here, you know, some bad punches, even like when Norton turns on Ice Train, it didn't look great. Right. Um, And we talked about it like when does the NWO become diluted? And now we've seen like this is a show where they add three guys. So now they have, I don't know, like 12, 13 members probably at this point, if you include like NWO Sting and Nick Patrick. Uh, so they have they have a posse now. Um, but 
as this type of closing angle, I again thought this was successful. Uh, I, I thought this created a lot of intrigue, and I, I again, I, I thought I didn't know. I don't necessarily know if I'd classify this as a home run, like some of the closing stuff we've seen and some of the stuff yeah, with NWO, yeah. but I still thought this was very solid and uh, uh, kept off a very good show. Yeah, I was really good. Um, you know, I thought it was a great closing scene. I like the NWO, even though the expansion seems like it could water it down them having these low-level foot soldiers works well. Because now it doesn't have to be Hall and Nash and Hogan. You want those guys in these segments to feel big, but it doesn't have to be them fighting off WCW. You've got some bums that they can feed you know, feed to take the beating with, with this guy. Yeah. Not that they're all going to be presented that way, but you kind of have that first wave they can send out now to do the fighting for them. So I think that helps a lot as this escalates further. Um, you add more mystery to Sting. Uh, WCW was willing to fight together, right? Because Ray kind of stuck up for the horsemen. And I thought the sting part was great. It felt like Batman, like in the mm. dark, like if you picture like dark and rainy or whatever, and he's fighting guys off who don't realize he's on their side. Ray jumps on his back. He throws them. Like it felt very much like that. Like Batman coming to save these guys. They think he's a bad dude and they're trying to fight him off. Um, and so he's misunderstood, right? That's what it felt like to me. And I thought it was really well done. So yeah, this is a great segment. The good tease for Faces of Fear Outsiders sets up you know, Starcade, we're going to see these guys go at it there. Uh, so this just led to the brawl. So yeah, there was a, another hot closing segment and I really like this Nitro um, a lot. I thought, I thought it was a really fun episode uh, and it's one that really delivered and it was a fun episode without a major match and without a, well, these angles are good. There was no major all-time angle, no major all-time match. It might've been one of the best all in like, top to bottom, well-balanced, very good episodes of Nitro we've had, where mm. you didn't need something to carry. Oh, this was great because of this segment or this match. It's like mm-hmm. everything just hit. All the matches were very good to, you know, it was a couple stinkers where they're short. Um, there was nothing that was like dragging it down. Everything hit. The commentary with Bischoff and DiBiase was really good. Um, so yeah, I thought everything just worked really well. All right, so let's get to our awards. Uh, my match of the night was Psychosis and Regal, which I'm guessing yep. was yours as well. Yep. Uh, best moment, I went with the final brawl. Yeah, I actually went with Sting dropping the fake Sting. Sting. Yeah. yeah, they were both really good. I just like the Batman aspect of Sting at the end. I yeah, I didn't, I didn't make the Batman comparison, but that's a cool comparison. Uh, Sting was my MVP. Yep, me too. Great night. Uh, commentary lines we kind of hit on as we went. We had some shots fired. We talked about Bischoff says Vince was shocked when Luger signed and then shits on <laughs> in your house. Yeah. Um, I love this episode. I went eight out of ten. I think it's it was a kind of a hidden gem of an episode. It's not one you think of when you think of the great nitros of this era, but I was into it. It was hot, the crowd was good, everything clicked. Um, they didn't have any bad matches on paper. It's just it was a really fun watch. Yeah, I'm in between seven and a half and an eight. I think I'm on lean eight because um, it really was. It was a very watchable episode. And like I said, I I, I think I've got to get away from thinking like if it's a great episode, it has to have a home run segment, which I don't think we had. No. But like everything was really good. Like, and it forwarded stories like it. I it, Part of me thinks like, well, I'm curious how next week's Nitro is, because this could have been a very good go home all in. If we just had maybe like a Piper segment, if you add that yeah. in, uh, the only piece of person I hear is Luger and, and Giant. Really, I guess the Giant was there, but um, but otherwise, like we had everything we pretty much need to give a hard sell to Starcade. So we'll see how next week goes. Um, but it feels like this could have been it 
if we had Piper on the on the premises. No Jarrett. Yeah, no Jarrett either. Who have you seen a ton? Paige and Jarrett, two guys we've seen a ton yep. of that weren't here. So. Yep. Um, all right. So we had debuts. Uh, we had our buddy Davey San Martino, uh, Jerry Flynn. Who else we got? Chono. Chono. Anyone else? I think that's it. Yeah. Road Report is making no dropped angles. Uh, the Japanese music we had for Chono and Ono. Going to mark yeah. that down. Um, all right. So that's Nitro. Let's get to our combo awards for the night. So uh, best show clearly was Nitro. And it, it's a tough night for Raw because Raw is pretty good for us on this night. Uh, it's just that Nitro was just dramatically better. Uh, yeah. Psychosis Regal match of the night. Yep. Um, what do you want to go with best segment? Well, you can go with the closing on okay. Nitro. I yeah. think that's fine. A better commentary is Nitro for sure. Yeah. Star of the night was Sting. Yep. Nitro. So clean sweep this week for WCW. Yeah. The ratings, uh, I think like, what was it? I had to pull it up. Uh, so Raw, strangely, had the, <laughs> Raw's had the same rating three weeks in a row. They've been 2.3, 2.3, and they're 2.3. Well, Nitro audience, I guess. And, and Nitro's uh, only dropped 0.1. Each of the three weeks. So 12 right. 2, they were 3.4, 12-9, and 12-16 Um, so so interesting. I mean, you know, I, I think stuff's really settling in. Like mm-hmm. that that's what I'm taking from this. Uh, but we're entering a weird time where you know the holidays. Right. Um, which I don't think like, but next week I think they still aired at the same time. I'm, I'll double check before we record. But um, looking at the raw rating, I want to double check that because stuff may have—I don't know if it's the holidays or what happened—but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's two nights before Christmas, kind of a throwaway raw. Two weeks after a pay-per-view, we're still a month from the Rumble. Yeah, I could see maybe piecing out on that and mm. go home for Starcade. Maybe like if you're going to watch anything on that night, that's the if one. It, if it aired at seven fifty-seven, there was definitely a lot of the audience that pieced out on yeah. the uh, next raw. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so that'll do it. We'll be back. Uh, we got to look over our schedule again. We got, you know, some stuff going on, likely probably month, month yeah. out, and hopefully then back on schedule from there. But our next show will be um, the December 23rd Raw Nitro. That'll be our final before Starcade. Before you know it, 96 will be in the books. Be sure to check out everything we have here at the North South connection i want to give a shout out to ryan gray who did uh, amazing work with all the wrestlemania match previews i mean by the time you're watching this wrestlemania is done uh but he did some really cool work uh leading up to mania this year and hopefully you guys all checked it out it was every night dropping a match preview with a different member of the north south connection staff and i'll also give a shout out to viewers choice which you can find over at northsouthconnection.com dropped right after wrestlemania ended and uh, marcus and tim do an awesome job every time recapping all of that so subscribe like we mentioned to youtube Subscribe to all of our podcast feeds. We appreciate all the support and continue to thank you for that. Spread the word. Napalm. Drop. Smell it. Smell it.